everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 125th episode of the podcast, airing December 20th, 2021. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back my special guest, Christina Caudill, who's going to join me in a conversation on Capricorn solstice season 2021. Now, Christina and I start off the broadcast sharing our natal nuggets of Capricornian wisdom, as she is a sun and Capricorn, sun and Capricorn rising, and I have that Capricorn moon. Um, So we do have a lot to share on just Capricorn energy in general, but we also muse on the solstice pivot point and the annual turning of the calendar year. And there's a lot to unpack this season because there's there's riveting dynamics in the skies. We've got the final Saturn-Uranus square. We've got Jupiter ingressing into Pisces, Venus and Mercury retrogrades, and the switching of the nodal axis from Gemini and Sagittarius to Taurus and Scorpio. So listen in as we walk you step-by-step through these poignant transits with suggestions on how to consciously set the New Year's stage during this powerful astrological climate. And just a heads up for those of you who like looking at the charts as we go along, I will upload a YouTube version of this broadcast as well so you can get a visual with our commentary. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar. Or if you would like to book a personal consultation with me, you can do that on my site at energeticprinciples.com. And just a heads up that I will be doing a price raise on consultations at the beginning of the year as I have not raised my rates in several years. Um, So I think that it is about time to do that. But if you want to book at the old rate, you're going to want to do so before the year ends to lock in those prices. Now, just a quick mention, too, that if you haven't signed up for my monthly newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, you can do so uh, at my website as well or in the description where you listen to this podcast, and you will get a newsletter chocked full of monthly transits and tarot insight and animal ambassadors, just a lot of stuff that comes into your inbox at the beginning of the month through the newsletter. So if you're interested in that, sign on up. Um, And lastly, before we get started here, my good friend Spencer Michaud is about to start in on his uh, his final uh, bundle of decans that he has been doing as he's going to, so if you haven't heard, he's basically been doing webinars, two and a half hour webinars each month that tackle the decans of each sign. And so he's going to be doing the decans of Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, which we know these are very important signs, uh, obviously because it's this time of year that's coming, but also because we have so many so many outer planets that are in these signs. So if you're going to take any of these courses, uh, these webinars that he's offering, you're going to want to take these ones. And so the next one is going to be on Saturday, January 15th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And this is going to be Integrative Divination, the Decans of Capricorn. Um, So if you are interested, you can get 20% off with my code EP20 uh, to either get the singular webinar for Capricorn season, which is $45, or you can do the three-part bundle, which is $125, where obviously you save. And if you use my code, you get 20% off that too. So, you know, I think that's probably the best way to go. And I tell you, he tells you so much 
about the Deccans. Not only do you, you get the esoteric meanings, you get fixed star information, you get the way the tarot lines up with it. It's just uh, a really thorough, well thought out and engaging material. So check that out uh, in the link uh, to this broadcast and over at my website as well. So, all right, well, that was a mouthful. So who is ready to hear all about Capricorn solstice season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, here we are back again for another podcast episode. And I have one of my favorite guests joining me once again. We have Christina Caudill with us. Thanks for joining me, Christina. Hi, Melissa. Hello, all of you energetic principles friends and fabulous fans. <laughs> Great we, to be here with you. Yes, I have. When's the last time we, uh, when's the last time we spoke? I feel like it was earlier in 2021, around the time longer. that, I know. It's, <laughs> I, it's, I was talking to Gray about this, how like time has, this year has flown. It's flew the coop. I don't know where it went. <laughs> it's all a blur. You would think we'd remember it was so much, uh, going on, but they say when, I guess they say when there is so much thrown at you, it's hard to like keep up with it all, I suppose. Um, How much Jupiter? I And you were just saying we have a full moon trying Jupiter coming up too. I'm like, I think I've had like a little too much of the good thing of Jupiter lately. <laughs> yeah. Jupiter, Jupiter's giving it to us right now. Yeah. We're recording, uh, on, we're recording a couple of days before the Jupiter full Jupiter full moon. It might be, be called that. I mean, it's the Gemini full moon, but it's trying Jupiter. So there's plenty of Jupiter to go around. Um, but this of course will air afterwards, but we are under the influence of the busy Gemini moon. I feel like I have so I'm juggling so much, Christina. What about you? You got, you feel the busyness of the of mercurial course, because I am also a Mars and Gemini as you are. Yes. So every time I try, I try to tell myself, I'm just going to focus on the one thing and give it my all. And then this pops up and this pops up and this pops up. So I find myself doing a juggling act. (laughs) I feel like that's the story of us Mars and Gemini's life. Like the intention is good to focus on one thing, but the reality is, is that, you know, they're just, everything just comes at you. And, And we were born able to juggle. That's why it could, that's why we get it is because we have the ability to do it. Do we want to do it? Not always, but we're able to. So, yeah, I totally agree. That's the story of my life. So, um, I'm super excited to be looking at, um, Mars moving into Sagittarius and what we can expect with that. And, um, I'm also, as you may be, as I am looking forward to the North node moving, out of Gemini soon too, because, uh, I think Gemini needs a little bit of a rest. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I am looking forward to that, but I have to say, knowing that they're moving to my angles, uh, with Taurus and Scorpio, it, um, you know, it's you're up, you're up. I'm I'm up. (laughs) I am up next. Basically all (laughs) us fixed signs. Well, we've already been up too, because like Saturn Uranus square, which, you know, the last one perfects under this Capricorn season, which is what Christine and I are here to talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like the next stage of the, the fixed extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So my, my heart goes out to all you Scorpio, Taurus, Aquarius, and Leo risings or people with angles in that places, those places, because we are, as Christina just said, 
up next. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get started here on our broadcast of the Capricorn solstice season, you know, we're reaching the end of 2021 here. Uh, for those listeners who are not aware of Christina and should be, uh, Christina, will you give a little background on yourself? Of course. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm Christina Caudill with Radiant Astrology. I'm an evolutionary astrologer. Um, You can find me online at radiantastrology.com. I do courses and um, programs. Last year, I did a bunch of astrology summits. That's what a lot of people might know me for, um, where I gather together all of the most exciting women in astrology. And um, those recordings are still available on radiantastrology.com. I'm not sure what I have planned for this next year, because I'm trying to take my time because, you know, this January is packed, which is what we're going to be talking about. And I'm almost like, let me, you know, whenever we have a a Mercury retrograde at the beginning of the year, I almost feel like, you know, it's better to just kind of bide my time, you know, before I make any like really big plans. Um, but um, as I said, you can find me on radiantastrology.com. I have a podcast, the Radi- Radiant Astrology podcast on iTunes, which also is kind of on hiatus and going through a little bit of a, um, hopefully I'll have more of a, some insight on how I want to manifest that for 2022, make it more fresh. Um, but yeah, I work mostly with clients on life purpose and, um, I love looking at the astrology of midlife of, um, how we can, you know, really work with those outer planets to find a greater expression of ourselves and our, uh, you know, our life purpose and living a more meaningful and fulfilling life. And I think that's actually one of the beautiful things that you can get from astrology is really a deeper understanding of yourself, what you're capable of and what you really want to do, what your soul is calling for. So that's really what radiant astrology is all about. Mm, I love that because, you know, midlife being a midlifer myself, and I know Christina, you're there too. It is such a potent time of life to really get in touch with what is this all about? Um, Because we just get hit with slews of outer planet transits and they wonder why people have, you know, the quote unquote midlife crisis. And that's because a lot is coming at you. Uh, but in a good way, because it really wants to get you in touch with why you are here, if you're on that mission and how do you, uh, you know, kind of a lot of times change course to get aligned with what that is. So very valuable, very valuable service for sure. Um, so, all right. Well, Capricorn season, I picked the perfect person to join me for this because we do have a Capricorn sun. And I was a not going to have another guest. <laughs> I was not going to let you bring me. I said, Capricorn season for me. I'm coming on. That's right. I know if I hadn't invited her, I'm sure she would have been like, Mel, do you have anybody? <laughs> and that's Scorpio you know, moon that you don't want to mess with. <laughs> you know, we got to get, we got to hear it from the Capricorn's mouth because that is how, you know, you get to understand the energy better by someone who lives it. So basically during this broadcast, you have someone with a Capricorn sun, a Capricorn rising, and then myself with a Capricorn moon. So we are covering that. the Capricorn. I Capricorn. I have Mercury and Capricorn yes. too. So Very valuable. We got and just about everything covered. <laughs> we have it covered. Uh, and so that is pretty exciting. Um, and yeah, so I mean, one of the things that starts off Capricorn season is the fact that it is 
the solstice uh, and that turning one of the four major turning points of the year um, uh, where, of course, depending on where you live in the world, it is the northern uh, area in the northern hemisphere. It is the winter solstice as the light begins to come back versus the southern hemisphere where they have the summer solstice, where the light has reached its maximum, you know, potential. I don't know potential is the word, but, you know, it hits its maximum cycle and then begins to receive. So, Christina, what do you think is the most important, you know, energies that we extract from solstice season? Mm -hmm. I mean, we tend to see the solstice as like a time of darkness. And I think what is really insightful about understanding um, these cycles is that we are starting to open up to bring in, as you said, more light, but we can feel really inward focused. I mean, remember Capricorn is actually a yin sign. I mean, even though we associate it a lot with things like, you know, the 10th house, which tends to be a public house with like the, the archetype of the authority figure, the father, the public image, you know, all these things that have to do with um, structure and, and boundaries and but really, ultimately, if we can connect to its yin quality, I feel like that this is a time where we can really connect with our inner self to sort of shore ourselves up. Because if you think about, you know, in the northern hemisphere, we're in deep, you know, deep winter and um, the winter time is like, you know, you know, regardless of what the temperature really is outside, there is something that sort of constricts mm-hmm. um, and And in ancient times, you know, people would have to just really be stoic to get through the winter and all that you've done through the year, you know, all that you've harvested. Now you're sort of kind of living off that, you know, for the the duration of the winter. And we have this sense of, you know, now doesn't seem like the time to be like, you know, doing big things like launching something new or like trying to get a lot of attention or whatever. And even if some, you know, with some of us, we maybe are going through the motions because if life dictates, modern life may dictate just kind of like not paying attention to the seasons as human beings, we do internally have that sense of this is a time of constriction. This is a time of assessing, you know, where we're at. I love to really more look back during this time, like look at this Mm -hmm. past year. What were the lessons of this past year? What do we have to learn before we can fully, you know, launch into the new year and have our new year's resolutions and have our, you know, goals and and start, start um, attacking a new year. You know, we really want to take this time to really assess. And sometimes that assessing means, um, you know, what do we release? What do we eliminate? Um, and then what are we going to recommit to? Because if anything, you know, Saturn being ruled by, uh, I'm sorry, Capricorn being ruled by Saturn, you know, really, really benefits from a commitment and a commitment when it's something that we can fully put ourselves around. Like, like you were talking before we got on that you, um, and your partner had some of these big goals, but like, you know, doing all the little things, how are we going to actually get there? But, you know, it's so important to even have that big vision and know yeah. what are you committed to? Cause then everything else can just support 
that big vision. Sometimes, you know, I'll say I'm often the opposite. I'm like doing, 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 doing like my to-do list. And then it's like, wait, where am I? Where am I going? <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just like treading water. But when you know that you're committed to a vision, a path, um, something that's worth maybe taking on extra burdens, extra responsibilities, you know, those type of not sexy Capricorn, you know, not sexy things <laughs> like Capricorn, maybe not so fun in the moment, but ultimately they're leading to some kind of path of satisfaction. And I think this is a time when, again, like I love Sagittarius season for like, you know, holiday season party, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then we kind of, um, if we're really sort of being attuned to the time, then it's time to really, you know, reassess, you know, being um, either alone or just with those few people that really we feel like are family, know us, that um, that we really want to share our, uh, you know, our holidays with or our very, this very quiet time with and, you know, make certain decisions that can help us through this threshold for a new year. You know, once we cross over the threshold, we, we do feel like, you know, we're leaving something behind and hopefully going into a new future where we have a lighter load. You know, if we can take off the burdens that are, that are no longer worth carrying forward so that we can be stronger to build a new future for the new year. That's how I like to sort of see this sort of transition. Mm, I love that because I mean, one of the things when we talk about Capricorn and uh, cancer both together is that they are definitely signs that can be, I don't want to say centered in the past, but take the past into consideration, you know, because there's a traditionalist energy that comes with it. You know, cancer Capricorn likes traditions and the holidays and things that are, you know, time tested and true to some extent. And I think that if we don't slow down, if we can rush, we rush through Sagittarius season and get right to the goal and we haven't checked in with, um, A, what has even worked for us? What have we done? How has that panned out? Is that working? Because it's cardinal energy. You know, we are moving to a time that is action oriented, uh, forward moving. Um, but if you just kind of like you were saying, if you're just always moving forward and maybe you just have all these little goals and you're caught in the, you know, the treading water of just movement, it's like, wh where, what is the purpose of that movement? And so checking in at this kind of critical time to allow us to, know where we're going before we start the new year. And I know the new year can be kind of arbitrary in the sense that we created this calendar structure, you know, not everybody abides by January 1st being the beginning of the year. But in our culture, for the most part, we are all kind of quote unquote starting fresh at January 1st. Um, but we get a good like solid, you know, nine days of Capricorn season before that turnover of the first. And so there's something to be said within those first degrees. Um, if we were to just uh, do as Christina suggested, you know, take a minute, see where we've been, acknowledge what we've learned from that, and then get the goal, you know, in a, in a, a proper place with a working plan to where then we can set off in motion. And you know, what I like about the idea of Capricorn being about a structure, if you think about like a skeleton, you know, because it's associated with like sort of skeletons of bones, mm. things like that. And if we, I like to think about it like, okay, so I might not have like my next year or the next six months or whatever 
fully fleshed out. But if I have touch points, if I have what I like to think of as touchstones through the year, things that I want to accomplish that will move me forward in my life, you know, not just little things that will like improve my life, but, you know, like they say, when you set goals, say even for your week ahead, are you putting in goals like they say, at least three goals to move your life forward. You mm-hmm. know, there's, there's the, again, that's going from um, just sort of tying up loose ends or, or responding to what is the immediate need, but how can you move your life forward? So when I like to sort of think of, I never have a complete, you know, detailed plan just because I always feel like I want to be able to have enough space. A little wiggle room. <laughs> yeah, in case I forgot, like on some, like, you know, I don't know, Saturn transit or something like that. And um, so to be able to just have sort of a basic structure, a basic bones of the year ahead that look like goals that I want to reach. And that takes some, some real reflection. And I think that this time, and even things like, um, I think what, anything in the material realm in the earth signs tend to um, value, which is, you know, how are we doing? How did I do with my finances this year? You know, what are my wins, my losses, my regrets? (laughs) And then how can I have new goals next year around those? Or, you know, you know, where am I with, they they say Capricorn is often associated with things like achievement, Mm -hmm. right? And um, have I achieved what I've wanted to at this stage in my life. Yeah. Now I will say with Capricorn, they say that we are, um, we are late bloomers. So that's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Which I actually do think is true. I'm, I'm in my forties and I do feel like I'm kind of hitting a certain stride, uh, just in life in general, <laughs> but we're and fine so, wine. Yes. Fine exactly. wine. <laughs> and it's the, the, the type of maturing and aging that can actually lead to a certain elegance or a certain fullness and um, so they, these are, I like to just really look at the entire archetype of Capricorn and say, this is Capricorn's time. And um, it really does take, you know, having some boundaries around, you know, your focus. And um, again, anytime we have something like, you know, we just had Sagittarius season and then the Capricorn's calling, okay, I need to clean up from that. <laughs> yeah. Know? Sort of like the cleanup. And I mean, there's nothing worse than when January comes around and then you have to take down the Christmas tree and take down all the lights and things. And it's kind of depressing because it's like, uh, the party's over. But um, what can you replace that with? You know, we replace that with just sort of a new hope that we have a new um, a new mission for the year ahead. And I think it's it, that's a great gift to give to ourselves is say, what's the new mission for this next 12 months? And um, Capricorn loves to do the work because nothing is just going to happen with Capricorn. You know, you can have this great vision, you can have all these, you know, great optimism, but, you know, time to sort of do the work and have a plan to do the work. And, you know, I mean, that's just coming from my Capricorn side, I would think. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it makes a lot of sense too. Of course, I love how you bring up how we take the decorations down, the holidays are over, the festivity, Saturn comes in. We also like, oh my God, we ate so much. Now I got to, you know, lay off the chocolates or like, but at the same time, it's like the beauty of the Sagittarius Capricorn uh, transit, other than the, the, the indulgence of festivities is that Sagittarius is about the quest. It is about the vision. It's that transitional mutable energy that gets us in touch with the larger opportunities that life has waiting for us. Um, but Capricorn then says, okay, well, you've had that vision. You, you did that Jupiter 
uh, well, what about Saturn? And this is, this is how we make that vision real is that you have to take actionable steps. You have to do things in the real world because you can't just dream about it. Can't just think about it. You know, like you have to make that plan and then chip away at it with a consistent effort. And that is essentially what Saturn asks of us. So it, but it's exciting too. And then especially if you're people like, you know, me or Christina, where we get, you know, we got that Capricorn energy. We get excited about the plan. We are, we're ready to do this. And we're like, oh no, it's going to be hard, but you know what? It's going to be fulfilling because I'm manifesting something that is important to me um, and gives me a sense of purpose. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. Said beautifully from the Capricorn moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we get, we're going to launch into some charts and kind of uh, give a little overview of the main things happening and um, kind of break it down as well as we can in a shorter period of time. I'm going to put this recording on pause because I had a Christmas present arrive at my door and it is a, it's an expensive one. So I'm not going to leave it out there. So we'll be right back with you in two seconds. All right. So I'm back from my, my mail stop here. And I do have to say, you know, you have a good friend when a Christmas card shows up at the same time, Christina's card just literally just went through my mailbox Uh, all the way from Virginia, all the way to California. Perfect timing. Look at that. I know. I, so I, I didn't even tell her until I clicked record because I thought it'd be funny. All right. That being said, mail has now arrived. And so let me pull up the chart for our actual solstice here and we can start a little overview. Um, Here we go. Yes. So I am going to be adding, uh, I don't know, I've been doing a little YouTube lately. So if you're someone who likes to watch the chart, you can come on over there and uh, see us kind of click through things. Do you see the chart? Okay, Christina. Yes. Wow. Look at all that cap with all that beautiful Capricorn. <laughs> all that beautiful Capricorn. And um, the moon in um cancer too. And I love how you know how you had mentioned because it, this should be true for all of the, you know, all of the axes on the zodiac, but I, I really especially feel that um, I guess because I have so much Capricorn that I just cannot you think of Capricorn without cancer, like because they are on this spectrum and they really need each other. To me, I often think of, you know, like a big oak tree, like Capricorn, it needs like the water and then, you know, nourishing the roots and everything of cancer because there can so easily, at one time when I was having, you know, when, when we had all that Capricorn, I mean, Saturn and Capricorn and all this stuff over all of my Capricorn and then, and the um, South Node too and everything, I really felt like, gosh, I needed to, I really need to consciously connect with my feminine side, with my self-care and everything, because I could have easily gone to so much of the Capricorn shadow dark side. Yeah. Just being too rigid. Yeah. Need that lunar, that lunar side. That's the thing is with uh, Cancer and Capricorn and also Leo and Aquarius being, having the the luminaries on one side and then Saturn ruled on the other. It's the most extreme of pairings. You know, when we think of the moon, we think of it being so soft and, you know, kind of delicate and cycle oriented and, you know, dare we say a little moody, you know, at the whims of feeling versus Saturn, you know, it's farthest out there. It can be a little cut off. It could be a little cold, you know, it's Capricorn's we get the 
the the bad rap of being cold. And that's not, that's not necessarily the truth at all. It's just, um, we probably end up encountering a lot of people that are a little more moon based. <laughs> they seem they're like, but what, you know, we can kind of put up that, um, you know, those Saturn has its purpose. It's just not meant to be cold in that sense. Um, but depending on another person's makeup or even our own, when we encounter it, it could feel, feel that way, but it's, it's not the intention. I swear it's a, we get a bad rap, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So we start off the solstice basically with the sun, Mercury, of course, Pluto, Pluto has been in Capricorn forever. Uh, but also Venus who has just stationed retrograde, um, literally like two days before the solstice began. So all of Capricorn season has Venus retrograde, um, which is a big part of the season itself, but that is not the only thing going on. We also have Jupiter about to move into Pisces during this season. Uh, we have the final Saturn Uranus exact square, which you'll see in this chart, um, is yeah, or no, I think it's I mean, like I'm on sorry, the 23rd. Christmas Eve. Um, oh, I thought yeah. it was well, they move so slow. It's basically mm -hmm. the the end of, you know, December. Um, and uh, so that's a that's a big element happening. And then once we get into January, we have the the nodal axis moving from Gemini and Sagittarius to Taurus and Scorpio. And then we also have Mercury going retrograde somewhat near Saturn. So Christina, can we fit anything more into cap season? <laughs> You know, I, January is going to be a show. <laughs> Hopefully. No, just kidding. Um, I, you know, we'll get to it, but I have my eye on that. Um, let me see. Is it a full moon conjunct Pluto or a new moon? It must be a new moon. It's a, it's a full, it'll be a full moon. Um, it's not exactly conjunct, but it, it, it's close enough. It's a, um, I'm just going to skip ahead so we can, so we can see it on the, so January 17th here. Okay. The sun is conjunct Pluto. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. no, that, that's, it's pretty much, Pluto. yeah, it yeah. is pretty much, it's close. Um, so everybody put your Pluto boots on, get your, get your, <laughs> get ready for some, who's ready Rocky for some Pluto? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll get to that, but I, I feel like that's, the highlight of this coming, you know, month, really. That's one of the big highlights, but we can, uh, but we have some territory to cover before we get We there. do. That's definitely where we're headed. We do. Yeah. And it's always interesting to think too, with the, um, with the way that the lunations are set up right now is that we have all these late degree full moons taking place where, um, you know, when we get to the end of the sign and, and the energy is being lit up towards the end of something, there's, there can be a lot of, uh, extra like culminating points or just something about that house or that energy that has been around for a long time that we're, you know, we're finally dealing with or, uh, ending or celebrating, or, you know, like there's, it's got a, it's got a little bit more intensity. I mean, obviously add Pluto to it, but I think just those late degrees, uh, which, you know, as far as terms are concerned or the bound, usually they're ruled by a malefic. And so there can be just a lot of pressure that comes with, um, those late degree planets or just the fact that we're having a full duration. I hadn't realized that the late degree, um, bounds were ruled by Malefics, but I'm seeing, yeah, Saturn. Yeah, we Mars, see Saturn, mm -hmm. Mars. <laughs> exactly. So, 
So it's something to, it's something to think about um, where, you know, we get to the end of the degree, degree and we think about Saturn where we might have to, uh, you know, have some sort of final decision or deal with something that has now built up that has become an obstacle and we have to pursue over it. Or maybe Mars is like, okay, well, you have to have that final push. Like, are you going to put your, your all into whatever this was that has been, uh, you know, accumulating or has been on the back burner that you haven't dealt with, you know, <laughs> that's why it gets wow. so kind of pregnant in energy in a sense. But um, as Christina said, let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. Let's pull it back to our sun ingress here. We just gave a spoiler. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, but, I, you know, at the same time, it's it's kind of good to see what we almost end the season with because at least we have that context as we go through you know, what and that's going to be. Because like, as you know, we've talked about many times before is that there's these hot degrees, right? There's some degrees that just once they get triggered by things, then you have these sort of echoes. And so I'm noticing that the, you know, Venus retrograde or Venus stationing retrograde, which as we know is conjunct Pluto, obviously when that full moon comes along, the sun is, you know, as we know, it's conjunct Pluto, but it is, you know, also that degree echoing the Venus station degree, yeah, um, yeah. which, you know, 27 degrees is the United States Pluto, correct? Is that? Yes. And we are, le- we are leading towards that in February. Pluto. Yes. The mm-hmm. Pluto return. Um, and it's interesting to look at this uh, ingress chart too, and just see that the, the moon in Cancer is basically near where it's full moon is going to be. It's off by like, maybe like one degree or so, but it's kind of like, like you just said, like Venus, the Venus Pluto conjunction and and the moon lighting that up just around the solstice is echoing kind of the, the full moon that's to come a handful of weeks later. So, uh, yeah, it's patterns cycles. I tell you, (laughs) let me ask you, how do you normally, or do you normally being Capricorn moon, I would think that you would, do you normally have any kind of ritual or how do you acknowledge the, the Capricorn solstice for me? I really, I'm usually (laughs) the past several years, I've usually been working in some way, but I, I also feel like it's a real time to, even if I do have say work to do, the period, you know, even just a few days around it, I feel like there's like this kind of silence, you know, like silent night, you know, Mm. to me, it's almost as sacred as Christmas itself. Um, Because we know that we do feel this, I always feel the shift into Capricorn season. You know, it's the final uh, season of our calendar year. You know, there is something that feels like a wrapping up. There is something that that feels like a reality check, even some in some ways. Mm, yeah. No, I, I I get that. Um, and I almost wonder if it's because you know, we're only a few days out from Christmas, which, you know, a lot of people celebrate, whether you consider yourself religious or not, you know, it is the originally that pagan Everything holiday. Everything is closed. Everything, so yeah. <laughs> well, and there's the lead up of, you know, the, the festivities that we have with family and getting uh, all our fairs in order and, and gifts and all that type, type of stuff. So it's really busy in a sense, but it also slows down 
just personally, because a lot of people do have time off from work or they're getting ready for time off or they're, they're working, but they're half working. Like they've got senioritis, you know, like where it's like, you feel the end of something, you know, you're going to, you know, so there is that break in the holidays, even when we do have to work um, and, and show up. But I love the idea of what you said of it being that kind of silent night and that stillness that comes in. Cause it, it is, it's like a pregnant pause that happens between the solstice and the new year, um, where even if we have things to do, there's just kind of sort of this in-between transitionary energy. And when it comes to answer your question of like, what, what would I do or what do I do? Um, I don't know if I have a, like a particular ritual that I, I do. I like I really like lighting can't like a candle and doing some sort of a kind of candle magic ritual where I dress it in some way and, you know, put a prayer into it and I'll do a little kind of ceremonial lighting and that might be it. Um, but, uh, I do feel that sense of what you're saying of just as, like a personal stillness and honoring that and getting excited about it too, because I don't know, it's this time of year excites me because it's, it's like, okay, getting ready. I mean, obviously I'm going to get gifts in a couple of days. So let me be real about that. <laughs> I'm like the child in me. I'm like, give me things. I still, <laughs> still all about that. Um, but I, I just love this, this, I don't know. I love the promise and everything that we just talked about, about the idea of like a new mission starting and it connecting with this time. So it was a roundabout way of answering, but (laughs) I mean, I've already been seeing people online saying, okay, people, now is the time where you stop working, (laughs) you know, like, especially (laughs) in sort of these online sort of like entrepreneurial spaces, of course, it's like a Capricorn. I'm in all of them. And they're like, okay, entrepreneurs, now you take some time off and don't work, you know, because a lot of times when we're working for ourselves, then there's always a lot to do, right? And it's like, when are you going to actually take some time to rest? If not now, like this is the time when you have permission, you know, to rest and, to, you know, to get back to some self-care because again, there we can overemphasize the the Capricorn, the need to be the responsible one, the need to be the one to take care of everybody, but you can't give from an empty cup, right? You need to fill up your own cup and and take time to appreciate family, to appreciate what you have, to take care of your physical body. You know, otherwise there's that Capricorn aging, right? That could <laughs> creep up on you. We have to, you know, take care of ourselves during these times too, I think. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it is a hibernation period. And I think that's something that you pointed out from the get-go, but it is a time when we're supposed to slow down, um, at least here in the Northern hemisphere, because obviously, you know, for our Aussie listeners are like, well, it's, in the, you know, summer <laughs> is starting. It's a different, it's a different type of energy, but um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, more, the world doesn't want us to hibernate. And I have a feeling it's going to be a little, uh, it's, it could be a little crunchy just because we, we want these things and we want to take some time off, but there is just pressure in the air with mm-hmm. having that Saturn Uranus square about to perfect in the skies, uh, just two days later on the 23rd. Um, and then we also have on Christmas day, we have Venus 
who's now retrograde making its second conjunction to Pluto. So there is intense energy in the air, uh, uh, just in general. And I know, you know, we just got a mask mandate here in California. We have the Omicron. Am I saying that right? Is that how we say this, this new variant? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Know. I'm. Uh, I don't. I'm wondering how they come up with the names of these things. It's <laughs> Greek. It's what is it? Something having to do with the Greek or whatever. And then actually, that there were several of them that did crop up. That's why it looks like it skipped letters, but that you know they didn't make. I guess international news oh. or something. So yeah. I, I heard that on some. Podcast. Oh, I didn't know that. I guess. Oh, okay. Delta and oh yeah, all right, right yeah. From Delta. There, okay, oh, that's, a, a, lot of, that's a lot of different variants. <laughs> what, <laughs> what happened to the, all these old variants? Um, the, yeah. So I mean, that's a reality with our holiday festivities. Oh boy. And, oh boy. Okay. So yeah. all right. So the I know you said you had a whole podcast on this uh, Venus retrograde and things like that. But like, gosh, it's being right in here in the solstice. Of course, we want to touch on it in terms of the solstice. Um, yes. You know, we're just uh, Venus, you know, what she represents, as we know, the first thing we see is our relationships. And I've noticed, even with friends and people, not astrologers, really going through some like, you know, digging deep. Is this person really my friend? Does this person really care about me? Does this person really respect me? And, you know, these kind of, you know, really these deep questions because, I mean, Venus alone would probably have a, have us asking these if it was going retrograde, but with Pluto, it mm. just really intensifies it. And um, so there can be these, these real, we think of power struggles with Venus, Pluto, um, also, you know, things around the idea of our mortality, you know, death. I mean, everything I've been seeing these past couple of days is, um, the, the writer and activist bell hooks has just passed. Mm-hmm. And that seems to have really brought up a lot of, you know, just this intense, intense grief with a lot of people, at least that I've, I've noticed. Um, and so there, there is this, it could even be the, this, this visceral feeling of like this, our intense feelings of, of attachment of love versus hate versus, you know, like you know, Venus wants everything to be nice and wants to attract and bring together. But with Pluto, you know, we, we want to get real. Who can we really trust? Oftentimes it's questions of trust. You know, am I safe with this person even? Um, these types of yeah. issues. Security. That's a, it's a big thing for Capricorn and cancer, both is these security issues. And I, I find it interesting when we talk about who can we trust? Cause I just started watching, I found myself watching how perfect, you know, as Venus is about to station on Pluto, that uh, HBO max docu-series on what happened to Brittany, you know, Brittany Murphy. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, Christina, but where no, I haven't seen it yet. The actress who passed back in, I think, 2009, and she uh, met this questionable man just a few days, uh, or a few days, a few days before she died. No, uh, they got married about three years before she died. But, um, and then he ended up dying the same way. I'm not going to, it's, remember how watch the thing. It, it, it's super bizarre. There's a lot of control factors. It's, uh, you know, honor, or it's like really looking into the people that you put your trust into in, in relationship. And so I find it very interesting that I just happen to be watching that story and it really creeped me out. Like I'm only about uh, 70% through and I'm like, 
I watched it late at night. I went to go to bed. I felt like the Pluto vibes. I'm like lurking around the corner, like, you know, their ghosts are waiting for me or something. But um, yeah, so uh, watch that documentary if you want to see some Venus Pluto vibes mm-hmm. for sure. No, and I it, it also makes me think of sometimes we, um, especially people with, you know, I mean, I have uh, Venus in, in Scorpio and there's, yeah, I know people with Venus and, you know, aspecting Pluto and things like that, that, that feel like that, like, why do I attract certain maybe toxic relationships or, or, or manipulative or controlling people? And sometimes maybe there is this unconscious drive that like, maybe we seek people who are a little dangerous or, you know, or people, whether we, some, whether we value that, whether we're attracted to that, maybe that's something we know from childhood or something that makes us feel, you know, familiar, even if it's not safe. And the good thing about Pluto is it can help us to really look at our psychology, look at our shadow, the things that we don't know. Of course, we normally think that we're making conscious decisions all the time, but actually they say like 80% of our decision-making and our, um, our, even our movements are usually unconscious, you know? So we're operating on this sort of unconscious script. And this is a great time to be looking at, um, who am I attracted to? If I have these patterns of toxic relationships, whether it's, you know, love relationships, sexual relationships, or even, you know, friends, things like that, people we let into our world, you know, are we attracting people who either, uh, you know, they try to manipulate us or maybe we want people to, to overpower or things like that. You know, these power dynamics um, are really in play right now. And so with the sun coming into Capricorn, along with Mercury, it feels like that this is, we have more of an opportunity to bring it into consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than yeah. these things to just be operating unconsciously. And of course, Capricorn, um, you know, with Capricorn, it's time to take responsibility, you know, for how we do move. I mean, it's not our, again, it's, it's not our fault if we were somehow emotionally abused or physically abused or any kind of, you know, cause oftentimes we see these themes of abuse with, with Pluto, but, um, can we, kind of create the boundaries that are needed, sort of also create the internal strength to, to break these patterns or to change these patterns. I say that that's one, you know, potential of, of this time where we can use it to really look at our, ourselves and our life and potentially make some changes. I love that, Christina, because, you know, we're looking at a solstice chart. So we have this energy under, uh, under us for basically three month period with the moon, uh, opposing all that. Um, and Venus about to embark in, in a very potent retrograde period where, as you said, it has the sun and Mercury that is going to be involved in this, and especially Mercury at the end of the month, which we'll get into as Mercury goes over Venus and Pluto simultaneously. Um, but that is when we become aware of these things. That's when we are the perception of Mercury brings it to our attention, whether it is we're thinking about it, we're seeing it in a different light, we're having conversations around it. And the sun helps us, uh, you know, it, it gives us that 
shot of spotlight of awareness that can be almost that aha moment where we're like, oh, I see this within me, or I see how this has to change, or I see where I need to take responsibility. I love the idea of taking responsibility because we have to take responsibility for ourselves and our relationships. Like if we want relationships to work, and these are all relationships, whether the romantic business, the person you meet on the street, your parents, what have you, you know, there you have to take responsibility for your actions and how you manifest yourself into the situation. So we can have a lot of aha moments that come around some uh, potentially triggering things, but they're ultimately in our best interest because that is the beauty of going through Pluto is the, you know, that healing process. So that purification energy that helps us finally tackle something that could be deep rooted and not pleasant to look at. But once we uh, shine the light on it or start to kind of peel the crud away from it, we're like, oh, maybe this but there is hope around here, or maybe it's not so bad. Sometimes we build things up and add layers to layers that once we address it, we, you know, kind of have that freedom that can come after taking responsibility for, uh, trying to be, trying to be a better person and trying, not trying, but actually mastering ourselves. Because I think Capricorn also has a, a, you know, a foot deep in self-mastery as well. So I thought it's exciting. Love it. And, um, you know, it, it makes me think of Pluto as being the planet of elimination sometimes. Sometimes yes. some people will see suddenly a relationship is just this, you know, maybe something broke the camel's back or something. You know, it's like you've had enough. And it actually happened a friend of mine. She just had sort of a breakup with like a really good friend of hers, you know, like a really good like sort of girlfriend who she finally realized, you know, was just not giving, you know, it just wasn't a relationship of equals. Right. And, and she said, you know, it just felt like such a relief. And in some ways, you know, when we see Pluto as, you know, the symbol of the, the glyph is, you know, kind of like the surrender, right. With like almost the arms in the air and it can be a having to give up something. And, um, also I see sometimes when we have these Pluto transits, it's like, okay, Either I'm going, I, sometimes I'll see it if someone is maybe even like about to say, fight um, some kind of a, a battle for, you know, like, um, you know, for my mother's estate or for, you know, whatever, what I might be entitled to legally or something like that, or some kind of a battle. Um, and it's like, is it worth me having to bring up all of the darkness within me, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it's like, you know what, I'm just going to like do whatever it takes. But sometimes we realize it's just not worth it. You know, sometimes like the fight isn't worth it. Sometimes the having to go through, you know, the, this, these toxic situations, sometimes we realize it's not, sometimes we realize our power is in walking away. Yeah. That's the other thing that I, I have just seen in practice so much with Pluto that, um, we can really be changed, you know, by even just the idea of who am I through this? You know, do I want to be in a battle with someone when it means I have to be someone that I don't want to be, you know? Um, I mean, I think of someone who's maybe even maybe lost something, you know, really dear to them. And, you know, who, who are you going to be if you were to say, take revenge, or if you were to say, you know, take what's entitled to you. And oftentimes, you know, we realize that it's up to us to be stewards of our own soul. 
Mm. And um, no matter what, how people judge us or what people may say, and of course, judgment can be some of that shadow of the sort of this Capricorn archetype, but ultimately we're the ultimate judge of, of ourselves and our soul. And I can see that with Pluto transit sometimes is that um, maybe even people have a false judge of you, you know, people have a false idea of who you are. They, they, they want to judge you and, and think that you are, you know, some certain character when ultimately as long as you know that you are pure in your character, that you're standing for what's right for you, then that is really ultimately, you know, the, the Pluto experience. And so, and so then when we reflect this in, in relationships, in things like money, of course, things like money will likely be, um, for some people, you know, that can really bring up, um, you know, power issues, even like in friends, you know, some like we're friends, but then when you introduce money into it, then everyone, you know, like everyone gets weird. They can be weird. Weird. You got to prioritize your own goals and things. So it's like, what do we give our power over away to, um, which is a very plutonic thing. And, you know, Venus can be, you know, does someone have power over me because of money or because of, um, they're my attraction to them or because of, um, I, I want them to like me and I want us to still be friends, you know, like what do we give our power over away to? And, um, you know, these can be some really tricky things for people that are going through these experiences with, um, do, do we maintain friends or, or are we professional friends? You know, like it's, I'm also seeing these sort of themes coming up too. Oh, I remember you said, Christina sent me a meme about like a guy holding a sign, like don't hook up at the holiday party, <laughs> you know, like Venus and Pluto meeting and right, she's, she's about to retrograde. It's like, ah, oh, you don't mark, don't you mix business with pleasure. You might, uh, you know, find a little, it could get a little much, but that's Which what I'm noticing. So tricky. It can be tricky because I know for yeah. me, I like to work with people I like. And then we have, you know, and then then maybe some boundaries become a little bit like shady. I know that I always like to work with people also I know will have integrity, right? So but you also need to maintain those boundaries, which I think, you know, maybe we'll have to learn where some of these boundaries lie. Yes. And I think I think boundaries is going to be a big portion of this. And, and really I've already seen, I mean, we're already seeing hints of this before we get to this moment of the solstice. Obviously Venus has already conjuncted Pluto. She's been slowing down for so long. And I, you know, everybody around me, it seems to be more issues of uh, relationships taking a turn uh, or coming up against things like money or contracts or property, uh, home life situations, like I'm uh, moving, uh, buying, selling, doing things as a team, uh, leaving people out. You know, I had, uh, I had an interesting, uh, experience myself. I got, um, this is very, uh, Sag, uh, eclipse in my second house, a South node Sag in my, uh, eclipse in my second house ruled by Jupiter who rules my second and my fifth. Um, and I got out of the blue, I got a sync licensing contract from Thrasher magazine for an old song that I did. So I'm getting paid for, yeah, so I'm get worldwide distribution of my song and escape video, basically. Um, but I had a little awesome. thing. Yeah, but my band member got a little frustrated with me because they weren't uh, in on the contracting process. And really, it was just me wanting to keep it simple, have one point of contact. 
they wanted to learn some things about business. I was like, this is not the time, <laughs> you know? And so we had these guys, and it could be little things like that, where it just brings up something that, you know, he, he was like, I was frustrated because I was involved in the process. And I'm like, I'm trying to simplify it. I'm trying, I'm taking control because I'm just getting things done. And, you know, just for an example of, you know, kind of things that come, come up, but through that, you know, they, through that conversation, it was like, oh, I love you so much. Like, regardless, even though you frustrate me, you know, I'm glad this happened to us and we're creating this thing. So that's just like a little side example of, you know, I think that what we, what we may see is that through these, you know, Venus Pluto experiences, um, and you probably know this too, as a Scorpio rising that like, sometimes when relationships really get tested, you really see whether they're, you know, if they survive it, yeah. maybe survive it changed or survive it with new, you know, awareness, um, of certain boundaries or whatever. But then we could also see that like, we still care for one another. I mean, I, I don't think it, it necessarily, you know, is saying with Pluto, I, I don't want to put it out there that it, always means a relationship is going to end or it's going to like go through a darkness. But oftentimes we, you know, we need to get real about something or our blind spots are, are illuminated. And it can be so great when we can finally, you know, go through a relationship that becomes more deep or more honest or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely an invitation to deepening a bond. Um, but only if that bond is strong and you're willing to address things that are bothering you or that you might resent or that you have anger around. And that is, that can tip the boat of a relationship. But if you're willing to do that, um, you might find that you come out on the other end stronger, which is definitely a Capricorn word. You know, it's the strong is, is Capricorn territory. So I, I like that about it too. So just keep in mind, you know, the Venus is retrograding over Pluto on Christmas. So everything that we said <laughs> in well, your holiday. Sometimes we don't know it right away, right? Because yeah. it's retrograde. You know, maybe like someone is like the resentment is building within them. Well, that is true. <laughs> After the that direct. is true. And then, you know, so, we, so we're on a journey with Venus, yes. right? And it's just started. Although I think the rumblings have already, or people are already maybe feeling some of them. So don't be too surprised when Venus comes back around later with, you know, going through that sort of, uh, gaunt running the gauntlet again with, with, um, Pluto when she's direct. When is that? That's, uh, when Venus meets Pluto again, that's going to be March 3rd, I believe okay. around so there. So we got a good amount of time when you're looking for resolution, but I think knowing all the things that we're saying in the moment, like if you had not listened to this broadcast and you're going about life, you know, you're going to interact differently with the energy, you know, you know, knowledge is power. Like, I don't know if that's the right term, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's good to know these things because at least it gives you context to what you're dealing with. Uh, even if there's feelings behind it, it it can help you react in, in a way that could end up being more beneficial for you because of Pluto's instinctual responses, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I think, you know, the other thing that comes up to me too, that I was thinking with this whole, you know, Venus retrograde journey and stuff is, um, about like our love language and you know, like Venus in Capricorn is love language oftentimes is, well, number one is, you know, expensive sunglasses, maybe <laughs> for Christmas <laughs> and, um, looking good, <laughs> but also, I also feel it's like, you know, 
when some people with, you know, whose love languages or whatever are in these earth signs, like we show, we care by, you know, working hard. Like for me, it's like, you know, I'll work hard. So like, say for instance, like during 2020, the pandemic in the beginning, my husband was, you know, he was out of a job for almost a year. And I, for me, I was like, I'm just going to work harder and I can, I can do it. I can take care of us. I can be the one to hold the shoulder, the extra burden, you know, as long as, because I wanted my husband to really, um, find a, a job and a career that was right for him, not just have to do whatever, you know, like, so I was willing to, to shoulder some extra burden for that time. And now fortunately <laughs> we can share the burden. Things are much nicer now, but, um, that, that was just my immediate instinct is just like, I can take care of this. You know, I can take care of you. I can take care of myself. And so, it, and that might not look like the touchy feely kind of thing that, you know, we might think of as, as care, but, um, as we know, Capricorn does care, but they may show their, how they care in like working late and, you know, paying the bills or being responsible in some way, um, that, that likely may come from a place of caring. Now that, you know, if, Capricorn Saturn can, you know, when it's not really balanced, it can look like judgment and it can look like a lot of these sort of more harsh sort of sides of it. But I think with Venus being in the picture is like, you know, what is our love language? What do we, what do we value together as a couple? You know, yeah. what are our actual, our, our literal values? I mean, sometimes they say that, um, a lot of healing and things can actually come when you feel like, guess what? I have a solid foundation. I have a roof over my head. We have enough food to eat, you know, <laughs> like that actually is something that can actually heal us biologically and also spiritually as well. So, um, you know, to just look at the, the whole journey with that. And that can sometimes, you know, when we don't have that language, when we think, oh, you know, uh, my partner, whoever is, is too concerned with the material. Well, sometimes the material is necessary so that we can then have, you know, more of the softer side of life. Yeah. Well, uh, being partnered up with someone with Venus in Capricorn, <laughs> I, I definitely hear that. I feel like that is one of the way he gives is by working and producing and, um, bringing, uh, bringing, financial sustenance to, to the table. Um, and so I totally, I totally get that. And I love the idea that you brought up values too, because I think that we're going on a, a value, uh, purge, uh, during this, this retrograde and really in relation to material related things. Um, and so I think that comes back to a lot of like quality of life, uh, where we live, where we root down, uh, the foundations that we're building for ourselves, um, in life. And if, if those need, cause you know, a lot of foundational material has been rocked with the Saturn Uranus square with all the conjunct major conjunctions yes, that yes. happened. I wanted to get your insight yeah. on that because so, that's right here in it's right here. <laughs> right here. <laughs> It's all part of it. Um, 
And it's interesting to think of. And I think about my own, you know, journey with it. And uh, I'm in the process of looking to to relocate. And as this goes down, you know, in this time period, I'm going to go visit um, visit a place that I'm looking at as a, as a potential and uprooting. And I'm doing it with my partner. For me, it's happening in the fourth and the seventh. So it's like home, uh, looking for that long-term home with the Saturn in the fourth and having to do things differently with Uranus in the seventh and um and having to do it on according to someone else's thing too because I'm I'm very so I'm, I'm sensing that like because I'm seeing all this Capricorn that is like okay let's let's be responsible and get our values clear and everything and, and kind of wanting you know to sort of ground down but then you've got the Saturn Uranus um square coming exact so there's a sense there's something unsettled too though you know we kind of also have to be we got to be nimble we got to be aware or, or prepared for some big changes, you know, yeah. or total, you know, because well, Uranus likes to flip the script too. It, well, and I think that's part of it because we have to keep in mind that this is this is not something new that's coming to the forefront. We're, we're working with, they're, they're disrupting energies, but they're disrupting energies that have made themselves known for quite some time. So that's the beauty of this Capricorn season in my mind, where it is a time where it's cardinal earth energy and we do get to take active steps towards a foundation or what we're building and manifesting in, in the physical realm. Um, and we could just find ourselves at this disruptive point that has been building for so long, but it's disruptive in the sense that it, I don't think it fully shocks us. It might give us some things that we weren't looking for because Uranus always does that. But for the most part, that larger story and what's being uprooted is already underway. And we can use the Capricorn energy to make our move in, in a sense, or at least get the plan in place of how we're going to continually, you know, what we're going to do through these major shifts that we're all experiencing in, in some way, or at least. You know, um, because I'm noticing with Uranus retrograde and Saturn direct this time, yeah. right? So, it, it, and Saturn is in its rulership, um, you know, it's ancient rulership of Aquarius. So I'm, I'm guessing that it might be more Saturnian. Um, one of the things I've been looking at is, um, now I haven't looked at the astrology for the entire thing, but I know it's something's coming up is, um, have you heard about the Theranos trial with that woman, Elizabeth Holmes? I saw a little, I saw a little mention of it. Okay. Well, I'll just give you like a brief, like the gist of it is, um, you know, she was, she was hailed as a Silicon Valley innovator, you know, this Mm -hmm. woman that, um, started a a blood testing company that, that said you could test like for anything with like just a drop of a pinprick from like the finger and that they were going to help, you know, prevent all this disease and she, she raised billions of dollars up to like $9 billion. Um, and it turned out the whole thing was a fraud. She was nowhere near making these, these claims were just like actually scientifically impossible. Yeah. So like, but she ran this, basically this multi-billion dollar scam for like, you know, over a decade. Well, her trial is happening now. Um, she's got the best defense that money can buy. They, they think it's costing her like $10 million or whatever. Um, it, it seems pretty obvious that she ran a scam. However, she's also you know, this defense, like, oh, I was abused by my, my partner and blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, 
uh, and I wasn't thinking straight or whatever. She's, she's putting the blame on everybody else. I'm just kind of curious because it's coming to the closing arguments. Now they think it might just get, you know, and hopefully before Christmas. So it's interesting around this time. And I honestly, I want to see this woman be put away. (laughs) I really do because she, I, I totally don't buy her whole, I mean, she, she just, she was messing with people's health you know, ultimately. And there were people who got, uh, some really bad, um, test results saying some people said, they said they got a, they had AIDS when they didn't, uh, a woman, you know, messing with people's pregnancies, thing, like really, really terrible stuff. I mean, this is a criminal trial. And, um, for me, this is very aligned with the symbolic of, I, I had seen before when Saturn was retrograde, and you're on a direct, it was like a get out of free, get out of jail free card kind of thing seemed to be coming up for in different scenarios. I'm wondering if Saturn now will have a little bit more power um, with this um, situation. So, I mean, I, I can't, you know, obviously I can't predict from just, you know, these transits, whatever you would do other charts for, for it, but for an outcome. However, to me, it's very symbolic, you know, will all this Saturn and Capricorn finally show certain people, um, have consequences, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing we, we have to keep in mind with this particular square and the fact that we have a, a stellium and Capricorn at this time is that, it all comes back to Saturn. You know, Uranus is in Venus's sign, Venus is in Saturn's sign, along with the Sun, Mercury, and Pluto. And so Saturn is the kind of the final say here. Uh, and it makes me think too of just the a lot of shakeups that have been happening in the financial world and most importantly in the uh, cryptocurrency world, where there was a breach of security and in, in a um and someone stole a hacker stole of what was it like 119 million dollars and in cryptocurrency and hasn't even given hasn't given it back or anything like that and you know cuz they're, they're trying to figure out how do we centralize this cryptocurrency like keep it decentralized but where can i put it you know and so basically this hack happened that it wasn't even like from behind the scenes like they hacked into the website itself and it's um and got trusts or got verification of trust through the users uh, to basically just, you know, take the money. And so there's a lot of cybersecurity situations that are going on with uh, Saturn and Aquarius, I'm knowing, and how there, when there's breaches of those, you know, there, this has been a big issue. And we've had uh, in 2021 alone, there's been multiple um, cryptocurrency thefts from hacking. And, and we're trying to figure out what, where's that even going? Uh, we're trying to find out how, you know, there's a big push with inflation right now and just properties being off the charts with, especially here in Southern California, what properties are selling for, like they put it on the market for like 500 and then it like goes to like 650, you know, people are just outbidding each other. Like it's insane right now. This is all that. One of the things I noticed that I was looking at earlier this year was, you know, that was very symbolic of the Saturn Uranus square was the whole idea of gig workers. Do they have any rights? Right. And, Mm. and I think in California, there was at first a judge ruled that they, they didn't have the same rights or, or something like that. The United, uh, the Uber and 
some of those other, Uber was the main one, but some of these other companies that were like, oh, well, these are just, you know, contract workers. We don't have to give them any kind of benefits or any kind of sick leave or blah, blah, blah. And so there's been this ongoing battle sort of back and forth. Um, And I just saw that just recently in the UK, it says the gig economy workers um, are getting employee rights under the EU proposal. So that, you know, to me, that's sort of that Saturnian saying, okay, can we actually make this into something that's, um, that's more structured rather than these people just coming in, you know, making some money and having, you know, like people, they want to have their freedom, but also, you know, when it gets to the point where it's like, well, wait a second, what if, what about with COVID? What about if I get sick? What about, you know, what's going to happen? I need some more protections. So to me, it's like that, that freewheeling, you know, it sounds exciting at first with you're on us. Oh, be your own boss and we can be free. And, you know, we don't have to show up and, you know, time clock or whatever, but then, you know, there's also limits to that. You know, if we don't have the Saturnian structures and the safeguards, then what happens in case, you know, you know, we need some assurances, we need some protections and that's, that could be, um, a, a better, you know, a good sort of expression of Saturn and, and in Aquarius, you know, these are sort of like collective themes and, and Saturn can also be like the law, you know, can the law come to just give these people protection just enough, you know, they can still be free, but that, but they have certain protections so that they are treated humanely. Yeah. You know, so I think that's one of the things I'm seeing sort of on a macro level. Yeah, absolutely. I I've seen several, um, articles on different, uh, different work forces, uh, entertaining, um, labor unions, you know, because that's the thing is that's the idea of Aquarius is it's the collective, it's the, coll- the communal energy coming together to look and then for also with those- Jupiter there, maybe Jupiter's giving them a little boost too. Jupiter yeah, that's, that's helping. Saying, yeah. I just saw, it says that EU, the EU wants millions of gig economy, economy workers to get paid leave and minimum wage, you know? So it's like, you're not just, um, you know, sort of hanging out there, like, you know, willy nilly, you actually are part of something and that, you know, in what we need to understand is that with numbers, you know, we can have power in numbers when it Mm -hmm. comes to, even if we're individually, we think we're so small, um, ourselves individually, when we come together, there can be a lot of power in, you know, people power, which we'll hopefully see more of with, you know, with and th- this is what I like about Uranus, and I'm an Uranian person to begin with. Is we oh, we think about a disruption, and they, you know, but this is the this is the beauty of Uranus is we need to disrupt in order to find the better system. So we're disrupting the the labor, we're disrupting the financial situation, we're disrupting the uh, the housing market uh, because we're trying to find better solutions. And I feel like Saturn Aquarius is solution oriented, being an air sign that is looking at a wider range of possibilities. And, and it's not, and it's in obviously labor unions, it's in getting, uh, you know, better securities, which is a very Taurus uh, and just any earth sign type of thing. It's the the people at the candle factory in Kentucky and those those crazy tornadoes and why a hundred and something people were working in the middle of the night 
you know, where many of them are saying, I, I asked to go home, but I was threatened with the loss of my job if I were to get myself in a safe position. And it's all these things that uh, Uranus disrupts and, and shakes us to the core to bring up to the the surface so that we have the tension and the activating motion of Saturn in that overcoming square to be able to do something about it. So it's not, it's not, it's not for naught, I guess, is what we're saying here. It's like, there's a purpose to it, to get to the Saturnian peace, to help uh, bring or better order um, right. and fairness because around it. Saturn, you know, if it were just Saturn, sometimes these, these Saturnian things can get a little too compacted into, you know, so then it's like, yeah, oh, the people yeah. in power, all of a sudden they're controlling everything for their benefit. But then you have this Uranian element to say, wait a second, you know, let's like, let's break up this, you know, this way of control that isn't going in the right direction. You know, exactly. maybe we need to re reshift so that it's actually what the intention is, is for equality, is for protecting people and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And so everything that we just talked about for a very long time here is the, the beginning days of Capricorn season. I mean, it's a bigger story overall, but we may see a lot of these themes hit their, hit their apex or their next turning point um, in basically December 21st through, through the, through the end of the year, you know, because these are slow influences, both with Saturn, Uranus square, and also Venus, uh, near Pluto because she just stationed. So she's moving super slow. Um, so this is, this is an ongoing theme here. So let us, let us move along here, uh, with our cap season, um, I'm like, what, where were we? Uh, so some interesting things happened too that actually we didn't quite get into. So I'm just going to break down a couple of things and we can kind of piece it out, Christina, where, you know, we feel inspired to, uh, but one of the things that happens, which I'm just going to change my calculations here real quick is that around this time, um, the first couple of days after the solstice is that the mean node actually moves into Taurus and Scorpio. Um, so uh, Gray and I talked about this a little bit where the mean versus the true node. And so the mean node is going to move, change access uh, early on. And then the true node is going to do so later in Capricorn season, right before Capricorn season ends. But I'm just going to put that out there that there is this nodal energy um, that is slowly making a shift. Um, while we also have Jupiter about to move into Pisces and squaring these squaring nodes. nodes. Yeah. Yes, I, was, I think that that anytime we have a planet squaring the nodes, that really seems to, it's almost like in, you know, an emphasis of that planet and what that planet you know, means and, and the, what the planet signifies, I tend to find it very, you know, like as, as they say, like even with eclipses, um, what they also like to look at is when the sun is square, the nodes, cause that's kind of like in between the eclipse seasons mm -hmm. too. And we, and we tend to see things shift that have to do with the story of, you know, whatever the eclipse season is. And so, or the eclipse seasons. And, um, so I would imagine that Jupiter is going to be especially, you know, especially once Jupiter gets into Pisces, free from Saturn's sort of grip, right? Yeah. And back in Jupiter's home sign. Um, overall, we tend to see Jupiter's positive. Oh, and it looks like, oh, thank you for putting the little bounds in there. So it looks like the first decan 
or um, I don't know what you call that, but I'm not a traditional astrologer, but that's ruled by Venus, right? So yeah, that that bound is in. So yeah, so basically we go from Jupiter hanging out in Saturn territory in Saturn's bound. You know, it's 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 about as termed to Saturn as you could possibly, you know, be. And then all of a sudden on the 28th, uh, it switches. My birthday, into- by the way. Woo-hoo. Oh, exciting. Happy of course, birthday, my solar Christina. return is on the 27th, but that's okay. <laughs> I know, yeah, you're like at the last <laughs> degree. Of, yeah. Um, but once it moves into Pisces, uh, we, it, you know, it, it moves into its own domicile. It's in the terms of Venus. Um, it, it, it's actually in the Deccan of Saturn though, which is interesting to think about. Uh, I don't have the Deccans up here, but, um, so there's still a little Saturn flavor, but overall Jupiter just opens up. So, I mean, any, any thoughts, Christina, on just Jupiter switch and how it's going to interact with the nodes? Yeah. I I mean, I feel like, um, okay. So it's out of sign a little bit though, right? Because the nodes had switched into, um, but still it's, it's essentially. It's, it's funny because I have the nodes at mean right now, but if you put it on true, um, and I go by true notes, I'm just going to say that, that, that I go by true notes. I go by, so we're going to stick to true nodes from here on out, but just for the, just for observation's sake and for when we're tracking this, um, it's interesting to think that either Jupiter is going to make a square at the tail degre- uh, end of uh, fixed signs or it's going to make the square at the the last breath of the Gemini, <laughs> you know, the mutable. So yeah, I, I'm looking at this. To me, I feel like it's, we will sense it with this um you know, zero degrees of Pisces because we, you know, it's, it's almost like I would think with Jupiter, you know, really kind of getting the squeeze, you know, we're not getting much Jupiter juice (laughs) with Jupiter. It's like a trickle. (laughs) And then hopefully we will sense, I mean, we noticed it. What was it last summer when Jupiter went into um, Pisces? You know what I noticed at that time? I think there might've also been some Chiron thing happening too, though. But like, like, I think it was like the very day or within days of Jupiter entering Pisces. Um, Oprah came out with that special of hers that was like, you know, where she partnered with Prince. Oh yeah. um, Harry. Harry on like grief and, and healing and trauma and, and the importance of sharing your grief and things like that, because Pisces can be very much about, you know, all of these swirling emotions that, um, you know, need expression and Jupiter can magnify that. And, but it was done in such a way of, with the intention of healing, you know? And so to me, that felt very Pisces, um, you know, and if anything, this, this nodal, story is going to just really amplify that Jupiter and Pisces. Now it doesn't always have to only be about grief. I mean, it can, there can be some beautiful like escapism with, um, I, I mean, I, I use that term a lot with Pisces in general, but because it's, you know, in, in Venus's bound and it's being squared by the nodes, you know, there could be some great, some great joy, some, some relief of, um, this connection with humanity at times. I mean, we often see, I've seen in the past many times with say, for instance, stations of Neptune and Pisces, like sometimes 
there may be like some collective griefing, you know, grief experience that then brings people all together. Um, that then we sense our humanity. Suddenly we don't judge one another if, you know, you know, people are are gay or trans or black or white or, you know, whatever there can be almost this like oneness. Um, that would be, you know, the potential of a positive of that, of maybe having, you know, if maybe something may occur that may make us then have this great gratitude or this overpouring of gratitude that there is something to be, to be grateful for. Yeah. Absolutely. And and even if there isn't something like that, maybe there's something within us that triggers us to remember what we're grateful for, even if it's something that doesn't necessarily come to us, but we look around and and realize that despite you know, the struggles of the world, which are are and feel very real, it does come down to our the way that we engage with it and, the, and how we are the observer of our own world and being able to find gratitude. Uh every day for the things in our life, the people that are around us and all the blessings that we actually do have. And so I'm hoping Jupiter, you know, having a little more Jupiter in there will remind us um, of that. And that's just, you know, yeah. So (laughs) there, but I, I wonder if people will have now, you know, so we're almost to, um, you know, the end of the year, And so my thought is, I wonder if people will think, oh, well, let's go on the, you know, let's have this great, um, you know, New Year's Eve festivities or parties or something like that, whether it's a smart thing to do or not, you know, with the Omicron variant, you know, still happening. I almost think with Jupiter and Pisces, it's going to be hard to sort of hold people back or hold back, you know, whatever it is that needs this rising and needing expression. Um, So, but I don't know, I would be a little nervous myself because we've also got Mercury conjunct Pluto at the same time too. And that can be, you know, sort of a difficult position for Mercury there. Yeah. So, so basically we have, Venus, Mercury, and Pluto all together around December 28th, 29th, as Jupiter moves into Pisces here. But we also have Mars and a sextile to Saturn too. So there is this variation of like, yeah, Jupiter's like, okay, let's, I want to do this. I'm feeling, you know, like I would love to party, but maybe it's more of an intimate one where I'm very selective Mm -hmm. of the people that I gather with, because ultimately my, my drive of Mars is working in line with, you know, the limitations of Saturn there. And so how do we find like a, just a, a gentle balance within, you know, the limitations that are upon us while also getting a little, a little bit of our Jupiter, uh, juice without it going overboard. And that might be part of just the square with the nodes that are happening too, where it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, there's tension, um, with just where I we're at see this with Jupiter. I mean, maybe not so much in Pisces, but, um, uh, you know, ma- major Jupiter transits with um, like just big news. There could be some big mm. news and yeah. you know, whether that has to do with the variant or um, hopefully there could be some big good news or some news that could really just sort of shift the story, um, you know, that we've been sort of telling ourselves with that, um, you know, with those nodes sort of really amplifying that Jupiter 
Yeah. Chances are, I think you're absolutely right about something big in the news at that time too, because I, around the 29th, we also have the moon in Scorpio, which will be lighting up the Saturn Uranus uh, square too. And thinking about maybe some more restrictions coming in, or just maybe a, a different, a framework that's starting to form within, um, the restrictions that we already have. And so there's, I don't know, there just seems to be some sort of delivery from, uh, an organization of whether it's, um, you know, a the government, uh, a corporation, uh, you know, just a general public, awareness message type of situation, or maybe even more of the, the court cases that are, there's plenty of court cases, including the one that you brought up earlier, um, that are underway too. So, uh, I think something, something big, something big, 28, 29th, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> See what it will be. All so right. yeah. What's up, what's up next? Um, <laughs> All right. So what's up next? Well, we make it, well, you know, what I like is that we have on, um, new year's day, we actually have, um, the sun in a trine to Uranus, which is, is kind of a fun way to start the new year. Like, especially with all that sober (laughs) Capricorn, (laughs) you know, you want to lighten up the mood a little bit and, that could be good. I like a trying with Uranus. Yeah, I, I it feels good. If it, it feels like um, it feels like it takes our resolutions sort of to the next level. Like if it, it, like we are in touch with the Uranian side, we are in touch with what we want to see differently in our physical realities, um, and we've got the tension of Saturn like pulling on that too, uh, and being actually kind of the dictating force, obviously because we have the Sun in Capricorn, which is Saturn's sign. Um, but it, I don't know. It feels like a, a, a willingness to like change it up. And, uh, I think that, I think that's exciting, uh, exciting way to start with new year. Yeah. Especially because, um, you know, Venus is still retrograde and so there may still be some, you know, it, especially if we're looking in terms of money, I think people might be a little bit still on the fearful side or just not know what to expect. You know, people may, I feel like with the Venus retrograde in Capricorn, especially, you know, this time of year, all the talk of inflation, people may be a little bit like sort of nervous when it comes to resources, spending, things like that. But then we have this little bit of like this um, uplift and this, you know, excitement, wanting to do things differently, wanting to do things in a new way, in a fresh way. And then when usually in earth signs, you know, we maybe could take some practical action to, um, you know, start our new year or something. Yeah. Well, and that's, and so this is also a fun, a fun way that the year is turning over too. So not only do we have the sun making that trine to Uranus, we have the next day on the second, we have a new moon in Capricorn. So we're in the dark hours of the moon to begin with at, on the first day. And we get that Uranian hit, but we're also in like seed planting mode and we're in, you know, and so we're, we're rebirthing into this Uranian energy, uh, there. And, uh, I know this new moon's potent for your chart, Christina. <laughs> You're like, woo, woo. Is, yeah, the, um, it's on my ascendant. And on that Sunday, if I can make a little plug that Sunday, January 2nd, I'm hosting my 2022 workshop for the year ahead where we'll be like making our plan 
for the year ahead. We'll look at like the major transits of the year and we'll just kind of like actually sort try to align our goals with the transits and things like that. So, you know, I know a lot of astrologers were doing theirs like in November and December, but I kind of thought, you know what, let me just do it during the new moon because then we can do like a new moon manifestation and all this stuff. And um, plus by that time, we've also got Mercury going into Aquarius, which to me, I really like for like thinking differently, you know, thinking in new ways, innovative ways. Um, so it does feel like a good new start, that first new moon. Hopefully people will be, you know, over their hangovers from <laughs> New Year's Eve. They had a couple days to, to deal with that. But um, I like that Mercury, oh, and Mercury's in Mercury's own bounds there too with um, an Aquarius. That's right. Yeah. So Mercury's like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling fresh. I'm in, it's in its... Um, uh, it's in its, uh, triplicity that it likes in air signs. It's in its own bounds. It is ready to party. It's also ready to retrograde soon. So there are, there are a lot of things that Mercury is considering within its, uh, it's overreaching forward plan. Um, but it is, it's in, it's in good processing power, I would say, uh, especially mm-hmm. being, um, you know, so ahead of the sun and just kind of having that forward reach that we might have to obviously take time with to go through, because what's going to happen is we're going to have Mercury retrograde almost before it makes it to Saturn, but it's going to station uh, direct on Pluto. So there is really something wow. about that late, um, you know, 28th, 29th of the year that is going to be revisited once Mer- Mer- Mercury, Mercury uh, stations direct on uh, Pluto in February. Um, so just, just FYI, you know, take your time with what you're sculpting, but at the same time, what's coming up um, is going to be very potent because I think it's going to lead to some, some big decisions that eventually yeah. come out of it. And I love that that new moon is still, you know, forming a trine to Uranus. Yeah. Like I was saying activating that Saturn Uranus square, but really like, you know, it's kind of a trine to Uranus to me is just like, okay, if I've tried things so many, uh, you know, or if I'm stuck or something or hitting a, a ceiling or hitting a limit or, or, you know, whatever with my creativity or with my earning power, whatever it is, then that Uranus can help to, um, you know, let's innovate, let's do things differently. Let's, let's, you know, um, let's play with how we work with the material, the material world. And that being, you know, a signature of that new moon, kind of like really being a signature for this whole lunation cycle. Mm, I love that. How are we going to play with the material world? Because this is a, this is a Capricorn new moon. You know, this is at the beginning of the year with Jupiter squaring the nodes, like life is ready to move forward. Yeah, we've got, you know, Venus still retrograde, Mercury still got some things to figure out, but there's something about this uh, lunar cycle that is going to be very potent with some real world changes that we're going to be implementing in our lives. Um, So if that's the case, like how, what, what do you want to set up for yourself? How do you want, you can play with the reality, like you can manipulate Mm -hmm. it how you want it to be, or you don't have to be fully at its whim or control. Like remember that you co-create. Um, and this feels like a powerful lunation to co-create with. Yeah. And to get free, you know, in some way, like, um, you know, I've been hearing so much about 
like, I don't know what's up with employers that they want their, their employees to come back to the office and to come back, you know, like once it's safe, come back to the office. Cause we need to see you here. Fit. Like why, you know, especially if a lot of employees are now saying, I don't want to come back to the office, you know, or I, I want Fridays off or, you know, because sometimes if that can actually help with productivity, sometimes if you feel like you're more creative, you know, they even say that most people aren't you know, very productive or even creative for like eight hours a day. There's really only like three hours where you're really getting like really good creativity. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, do I have to be stuck in an office for that? You know, maybe for certain things, but 40 hours a week, let's hope that that's, that really is starting to like the people who don't want that, maybe they'll be able to uh, make some changes there. Because I think now that people, you know, they were forced to, um, be at home and not deal with commutes and not deal with like nine to five. A lot of them just don't ever want to go back and, and they'd be even willing to quit their jobs or change careers for that. So now it's like employers, it's like, okay, the ball's in your court. Um, are you going to let, you know, are, are you going to prioritize your people's happiness? Otherwise they might be gone, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you raise a really good point about, um, just those changes and how I think we're going to see in the news, just so many changes happening in corporate structure and job structure and the things like, wait, yeah, maybe people don't want to come back to the office and they fight that and then they win. And then what happens to that office? You know, cause you don't need that anymore. And so we're going to see property changes, um, a, a structural hierarchical changes. And so I think it's going to be definitely a reorienting of, of labor, um, and property and, and money. Money. And so we're, it's just going to continue along those lines because they do have real world repercussions when we make those decisions for ourselves. Cause it's like, if no one wants to come in the office, what do we have the office for? You know, <laughs> things like right, that. Exactly. And actually it kind of makes sense because a lot of the property, you know, that that's a huge overhead for, yes. um, for companies and that, that could actually help to lower their costs then. So, you know, so then maybe what would be the next step? Maybe employees start saying, well, maybe I should be paid more if now your overhead for the company isn't so big, <laughs> you know, like prove me wrong or something. I know. What's the the one where like with um, Bernie Sanders or whatever is like, you know, um, tell me I'm not right or. Oh yeah. Or um, I know what you're saying, but I can't prove me wrong or something like that. Right. But yeah, making these changes in what we've always known to be true, what we've always accepted as not changeable, which may likely have to do with things like work authority, these, you know, Capricornian things can the you know, maybe they don't need to be completely uprooted, but maybe they can be um, updated and changed in a way that actually like fits for now, you know, for the, the times that we're living in. Absolutely. Because that's what I feel. I feel like that's what Uranus is. I love to refer to it as 2.0. Like, what's our 2.0? How do we how do we evolve this situation? How do we level up? Because if something's not working, you know, we have to innovate. And that is what Uranus is good at doing. Um, and having the trine there, it feels like there is a willingness of authority to kind of step up, especially in Capricorn, to be like, all right, well, I'm taking charge. We're going to make some changes. And hopefully this flows well, you know, with the trying to that. So uh, exciting new moon. I'm, 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 I'm here for it. Um, it also leads us to that full moon, <laughs> which we are inching our way When towards. does Mercury go retrograde? What do we have that? Date? So Mercury is going to go retrograde early on the 14th of January. 
um, here in the chart. It's going to do okay. so at oh, 10 degrees. Close to, pretty close to Saturn. Like pretty was- close to Saturn, but not not quite there. So Mercury and the Saturn story are going to take a little bit longer to fully perfect, but it's going to get that Saturnian vibes for sure, because it is uh, retrograding through Saturn signs. So um, it's Saturn all the way, but I feel like it doesn't get the full, like the full decision until it gets through the Mercury retrograde on Pluto and then to meet Saturn later in, I believe it's uh, February when that happens. So, so we're on the lead up to that for sure. Um, so after the new moon, we basically cruise forward, uh, to Venus. Uh, so next is kind of Venus moves. So Venus is going to sextile Neptune on the 5th of January here. Um, so she kind of makes, she touches down with dreamy Neptune before she heads to, the conjunction with the sun at 18 degrees of Capricorn on January 8th. So we got a lot of Venus is that energy. Your back. Moon? What degree is your moon? My moon's uh six late degrees 16, but it's close enough. I would consider this, you know, definitely yes, conjunct my baby. moon. Yes. And I'm going on a trip. I'm going on a trip on January 8th to go look at a potential. Uh, relocation Whoa. spot with my partner. So oh that feels God, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, of course it all came together and then, uh, and he, he just presented dates and I was like, of course in a Venus perfection year, when Venus meets the sun, we would take this trip, but you know, like astrology, Aww. you can't make this stuff up. It literally, it would have happened without astrology. Oh, it doesn't happen without right. astrology, it but been happening. It, it, it just happens, you know, you don't have to like, um, but what do you think about uh Venus kind of do uh, kind of like touch it, like having like a workable touchdown with Neptune and then conjuncting the, the sun after it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause they're, they're basically both kind of, um, sextiling the sun. Yeah. They kind of cross paths and then, and then the sun will sextile Neptune after. So it's like, they, uh-huh. like she has the Neptune message, they conjunct and then uh, sun, the sun touches down mm-hmm. to that. I love the, the, I also, I often think of it as sort of just like the softening when we look at that, just in general, the sex tile between Capricorn and Pisces, um, that, you know, Pisces can help to bring that sense of like enchantment or whatever that's missing in sort of the stark world of like Capricorn. Mm. And, um, and, you know, so to me, I feel like it can add a certain, a sense of like serendipity. And, you know, even if we've, cause we've spent with so much, we've had so much of a emphasis in Capricorn, and then this may help us to feel like, you know, we can dream again. And, um, that, you know, they say, I mean, I'm not sure what the, you know, traditional idea is of when Venus conjuncts the sun, you know, because like, I guess they say when a planet is whatever certain amount of degrees from the sun, it's kind of burnt by the sun. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I often feel like it is almost a union. And um, and of course, yeah, the sun is sort of like the brighter element, but there is something that is maybe like, you know, within the heart, there's some real, like we've been playing around with our values and the values we share with others, but there may be some kind of real, 
um, something like actually really kind of clinches. And I, and I really love the idea that, um, Neptune is sort of involved with that because, and it can also bring, you know, sometimes Neptune can really make dreams come true. I, I agree. I'm like, you know, Neptune can throw us for, for a loop sometimes. Absolutely. But I have definitely witnessed a lot of like miracle kind of things happen or just very creative possibilities or things just yeah. come out of the blue where it's like just the, like you said, serendipitous in, in a sense. And this is a sextile. So it's like, you know, serendipity may knock at your door. You still have to answer. It's not going to be like, oh, I have this lovely solution or this thing. And then it just happens. You're like, oh, this is an opportunity that might've manifested kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. I got to figure some of it out still, but there seems to be it, it's an interesting component. And just to set it up a little bit, even in more context um, with the Neptune side of things is what happens is we have Venus sextile Neptune on the fifth sun Venus on the eighth. And then the same, uh, then on the 11th and the 12th, we basically have the sun sextile Neptune at the same time that Mars squares Neptune. So there's an interesting forward movement that is in contrast to the, the Neptune side of things. So it, it does muck up our picture just a, just a little bit. Um, not completely, but, uh, but I, I find it interesting, Christina, to have Mars squaring Neptune at the same time. And maybe we just don't want to do anything and we're in the Neptunian haze and maybe that's it, you know? <laughs> I mean, I have uh, Mars opposite Neptune natally and um, I... You know, I don't know with Mars, Neptune, um, hard aspects. I don't always find them necessarily bad. It's just that, you know, we might not get like all the traction, like you said, like maybe it's just not the right time to like be taking a lot of action and, and having that really go in the direction we want, you know, or something like that. I don't know. What do you normally see with that? It's, it's interesting because there's so many ways we can unpack this because another element that I'm going to throw in there to like, cause you know, astrology gets messy sometimes is that we have a first quarter moon also happening in, um, Aries. So we are, we're pushing off a first quarter moon that is Mars ruled and, Ma and the moon is exactly trying Mars. Mm -hmm. So there is a forward movement and maybe it is active acting on some sort of like thing that comes out of the blue or the serendipitous moment or a dream or a creative project or something along those lines. Um, but we also have to be a little cautious of what we just jump into right away too with that Aries moon. Cause you know, Aries is quick. It's quick to draw. It's quick, quick to draw. It's, you know, like it's, it's so it, it's, it's a little tricky. It, you really have to try to discern the situation as best that you can and really trust your instincts. Um, while or also having, be, you know, that, the, or the Neptune could be the serendipitous, um, you know, element that you need, you know, I mean, I, I don't always like to see them. I, I guess I've learned from experience that like, you know, square with Neptune isn't always like bad. Sometimes it can be like, this is actually a dream that can come true eventually. But, um, you know, the thing with, I think we were talking about before, before we even got on the call about Saturn, I'm sorry, Mars in Sagittarius, that can sometimes be like shooting from the hip or like 
over, you know, like Sagittarius likes to aim high or maybe overshooting. Mm -hmm. And then with the Neptune, we maybe like, maybe we could be, you know, just like, oh yeah, I think I, I want to go for this thing. And, um, you know, maybe it's, maybe we're either aiming too high or maybe we don't realize how far reaching our actions can be taken. You know, I mean, I don't think, I don't necessarily want to say it's bad, but it can be very far reaching. But I was just thinking of like, when we do think about the shadow of Mars and Sagittarius, you know, um, sometimes it's like you said, it's like the reaction before we fully think things through kind of thing. Yeah. And it also makes me think of the old adage that's very Capricornian is only time will tell, right? You know, like we, sometimes we just have to live through it. We have to act on it. We have to use our best that we can, even when things just, the picture's not fully clear uh, and just, and just let time work it out. And the one thing I do like about the Mars Neptune square uh, that's happening around this first quarter from the 9th through the 11th of January is that it is, they're both under the domicile of Jupiter now in Pisces in its own sign. So they're working on the same, you know, they're working from the same orders of, of Jupiter, uh, it just squared the nodes. So it has its own kind of destiny shaping energy that it's been working under. So it just adds even more to that kind of forward momentum that seems to be really key right now in the celestial story. I overall, I like it. <laughs> I know. I kind of like it too. I, I mean, I want to like it. I'm going to be on vacation. So I'm, uh, I'm saying I'm in the camp of liking it. Um, so yeah. So it's an interesting little setup basically from the fifth through the 12th that gets us in touch with Neptune, Mars, Venus, and the sun. So that about stationing. Oh, yeah. When, when does Mercury actually station retrograde? You said the 14th. So the 14th of January is when we have that Mercury station retrograde there. Um, and yeah, so once again, we're in a year of air at, at degrades, retrogrades. Um, so any thoughts on uh, retrograde in Aquarius? You remember what happened last? I can't remember what happened last time with Mercury was retrograde in Aquarius because now it's, I think this year is one where it goes from air to earth or something. Isn't it like sort of like, yeah, it's not pure air. It's, um, it's, it's air to earth, which I actually like, I'm I'm kind of excited about how those, those, um, how that's going to work out. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll we'll tell yeah, Mercury and Aquarius is like, it's like purely ideas and it can be those great innovative ideas. Like, you know, there's so much talk of, say, a new um, a pill that we can take instead of getting a vaccine or like, I don't know if it's instead of getting a vaccine. Maybe I'm saying that wrong, but it's like if people get COVID, then they could take it. It'll lessen the. uh, And I just saw a thing about (laughs) I just saw a thing the other day about a a pill, too, for birth or um, for abortion and things like that. Like there seems to be pills around. (laughs) Very (laughs) Neptune. Um, It's very scientific, you know, it is scientific ideas that kind of, uh, you know, are innovative ideas, whatever. Um, and you know, in, when Mercury is retrograde, we think different and in, in Aquarius or even more so these ideas can affect our lives and they can be, you know, really affecting our reality. And then when Mercury then goes into, uh, Capricorn though, then maybe there is some kind of reality check there, you know, is this, you know, can we actually, does a rubber hit the road? Is this actually going to fly or is just, just, is this not ready for prime time yet? Or that kind of thing. 
No, absolutely. And that's, that's really what I think the the blessing is of this air to earth situation is exactly what you just said. Um, because it's like, yeah, earth has air has all the possibilities, you know, but what, how does it work in, in real time and, and manifesting here in reality? And, and does it, does it stick? Um, so that's an exciting part about it. Uh, but really a lot of the Mercury retrograde will also happen under Aquarius watch. So we only have a little bit to talk to you about that. But one of the things that's interesting about Mercury stationing, um, is it's actually in proximity to, uh, to Chiron over there in Aries. Um, so one thing Mercury's doing is making a sextile to Chiron, um, from the 9th of January through the 18th. Um, and it's going to be in the full moon signature that we're about to talk about. Um, but I mean, how do you, how do you feel about Chiron or do you have any insights into how Mercury might be touching down on, on this influence? You know, um, I'm wondering if, you know, when I think about how Chiron interacts with just in general, the the Aquarian archetype, you know, that could be, you know, that wounding in the sense of feeling alienated or isolated or something like that. And, or it could be speaking to the need to help people in society who feel in that way, in some way alienated. I mean, we've all to a certain extent felt alienated, (laughs) alienated. Um, not being able to engage socially, um, as we normally do, but that's sort of a theme that seems to be, um, present with Chiron engaging with that archetype. Yeah, like I could definitely see that. Um, and also this interesting, it, it makes me think about how we can, work as a collective in the communal energies of Aquarius while also realizing the, the impact and and the wounding of the individual, which touches into what you were just saying there too. And, um, yeah, just, and it being a sextile, so we can, we can actually work with that. Um, and I just, I don't know, I think we can have like some personal healing insights of our place in the world and how we fit into and our belonging, which is a very Aquarian thing. Um, with that sextile and obviously when it does the eventual, uh, perfection, um, when Mercury's direct and heads back towards Saturn, but just something to, you know, if you are into, if you are into tracking Chiron, definitely pay attention to around the station points of Mercury, because there is definitely a Chironic message that is coming into the framework around that same time. Um, but this does bring us to uh, where we originally skipped ahead, which is our full moon in <laughs> Cancer, in the moon's domicile, but in the bounds of Saturn. Yeah. Uh, and obviously we see the sun and Pluto conjunct there because the sun conjuncts Pluto the day before the full moon on the 16th of January. And then the full moon is on Monday, the 17th. And so, um, you know, obviously Pluto is a big story here. Uh, we got Mercury recently, uh, retrograde, uh, and then that sextile to Chiron pretty tight there. Uh, and we have also Venus, you know, she is slowly getting to the end of her retrograde, not quite there yet. Um, but you know, she's in a loose trine with Uranus too, um, which is how she started off the shadow. So that's interesting, but obviously the biggest part here would be the plutonian energy going on yes i'm just looking up um 
real quick, like some. Oh, and just another, another little thing to add to there is the, the following day on the 18th, uh, that is when Uranus stations direct. So we also have Uranus stationing at this time, which is always another big influence that happens. And, and the true node will move to Taurus and Scorpio that day too. So really the 16th, 17th, 18th, all has, and then the sun trines the North node, which is now just moved on the 19th. So this is the end of Capricorn season. It is lit literally (laughs) by the moon. I mean, you know, it really makes me think of when we had that whole 2020, when we had um, all those eclipses in Capricorn Cancer, when we had the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, you know, the, these storylines that to me said a lot about, you know, abuse of power, um, these plutocracies in society that maybe have always long run our society, our government, people with money, you know, plutocracies are like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know the term before, but it's like, you know, that basically people with money and they can buy their way into anything in the, in this country, they can buy their way into positions of, of power, of authority in the government, things like that. Um, you know, maybe there'll be some illumination around that. We also saw at the time when there was, it was the North Node in Cancer, South Node in Capricorn, when, you know, a lot of women stepped up into positions of leadership. To me, that was such like the integration of the Capricorn and the the um, the Capricorn and the Cancer archetype. You know, it's like these like mother types <laughs> or mothers that then suddenly were all being elected to, to positions in the House of Representatives, you know, there's like the women belong in the house, but yeah, the house of government. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that. So all these blending of all these archetypes of, um, and so, you know, maybe it does have something to do. Oftentimes, you know, we see uh, the moon having to do with like the people in general, yeah. um, issues around women. Um, you know, there, there could be another having to just be, you know, an illumination of some kind of, uh, people in power abusing their power. Um, gosh, I just saw, um, a, a yet another article of another sort of me too kind of thing where Mr. Big from, um, sex in the city is like accused of rape. And it's just like, Oh God, is there any guy that's not <laughs> can, can we, can we, um, you know, admire any, any guy that like, isn't like, you know, hasn't been a bad boy, you know, I I'm saying that I, I totally support, you know, the calling out of these things, but it's just, it's so sad every time it happens. But, um, so, you know, however it, it chooses to manifest itself, you know, these are really, you know, major themes of, um, of how power is used in the world. And, you know, with Capricorn, we know, you know, because we have Capricorn, that th- there's got to be someone who calls the shots, who has the vision, who organizes, you know, so that we can actually get things done in the world. But, you know, with Pluto, when that power is abused, it can really corrupt. You know, that's as they say, power mm-hmm. is corrupt. Power corrupts, you know, it has throughout. throughout <laughs> absolutely. Time. Power yeah. corrupts. Absolutely. Right. Is that what? Yeah. The, and it, it, to me, I feel like the, the balance for that is to always check into the cancer side of ourselves. Are we doing things that 
care for people? Are we having enough softness so that we make room for our humanity and others' humanity to exist, you know, within, you know, whatever structure that we're organizing because that was the intention in the first place, you know? If if the intention then just becomes powerful people just get more power and get more money and things like that, then obviously that's we've forgotten, you know, the original intention. So, um, you know, that's definitely something worth paying attention to there. Um, and the transformation of, of organizations of work, potentially all of these, like, again, the, these sort of Capricornian themes, Mm. um, maybe an illumination of, of what's toxic of what, you know, it needs to be eliminated that has been, you know, so prevalent. Yeah. I think that beautifully said, because, one of the things I think about when it comes to cancer and Capricorn too, that plays into what you were just talking about is the idea of unconditional and conditional. Um, and you know, what, what terms are we setting here? What is the overall structure? Is there any, is there any room for care? Are we given care? Do we even care? You know, and the cancer, cancer will bring that to the forefront. Um, and it'll probably bring more of those situations with, uh, home and family and kind of the work from home situation. I know this is the last day of the mask mandate in uh, California, which is interesting that that comes, that that just happens to be the date. Um, uh, it also makes me think about uh, moving too, because this is a big, usually a big shift when it comes to careers or relocation. Um, but most of all, what comes to mind with this, within the context of the U.S., of course, is that this is a full moon that is lighting up the Pluto return, the first pass that is just a few weeks away. So I think in the U.S. in particular, when it comes to what you were just talking about with the these structures and certain corruptions and things that have to be exposed, et cetera, it, it's going to be, I think, a kind of a landslide of illumination that sets up some, some pretty big things to contend to and to that need to be acted upon and with care. Mm-hmm. And um, so what we have been seeing um, with the Pluto return, one of the themes to me, I feel like has been the signature of this Pluto return is first of all, how, um, you know, this country was built on racism, basically, you know, on like on slave labor. And that has been something that we've had a reckoning around. And I think this, you know, whatever these major themes that have been kind of in the collective, a full moon will actually make them feel a lot more, a lot more present, a lot more personal. Um, Mercury is also retrograde at this time. So maybe we will have some, you know, maybe there will be some more, news or, or, uh, movement around, you know, that insurrection from last January. That was another thing that seemed to be really aligned with this, um, you know, Saturn return. Um, you know, another thing, this, I'm sorry, this Pluto return, Mm -hmm. the other thing with the Pluto return 
being, you know, a lot of these like sort of Confederate statues falling, coming down, you know. Oh, and then being melted down. I saw ones being melted down oh to be repurposed God. to, uh, yeah, because we can still use the metal, you know, <laughs> make yeah. it into a different shape. And like, that's the kind of thing with all this, right? Oh. Is we can actually make something into a literal different form. Uh, and especially with Uranus stationing. And also, you know, uh, when we think about another mother archetype of series, being in a trine to the sun at this time and in sextile the moon too. So there's this interest, another interesting, like kind of nurturance, um, food and sustenance kind of related factor. Uh, that's part of this too. Um, but yeah, what are we melting down into new form? Because obviously something's dying with Pluto, but it's also going to be reborn. This could also be another sort of touch point with, you know, that <clears throat> Venus retrograde for those people who are having, <laughs> who it's affecting them either in their love relationships or maybe their, you know, financial situation or whatever it is happening personally, you know, this can really bring up, you know, the emotion full moon usually brings our emotions to the forefront. They can feel very emotional. And then with the Mercury retrograde, you know, so this could be a very, very tricky, touchy time for relationships. So you just want to make sure that you're not just reacting to all <laughs> the anxiety because Mercury retrograde brings anxiety anyway. Full moons can bring emotions up anyway. <laughs> Uranus stationing, you know, Uranus that's unpredictable. Like, I'm out of here. Oh, yeah. I never liked you anyway. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> or, you, you know, something changes in your job and then all of a sudden relationships get, you know, kind of blow up because there is, oh, what are we going to do now? Is our security at stake? You know, this is a very security oriented moon too. And so we're going to feel the world changing because it's a cardinal full moon and with Uranus stationing. So there can be some turning points that get underway that do trigger our sense of comfort, security. Um, and then how do we deal with that in relationship when we're going, we're, we might be breaking down on our own and how we we're, we're feeling so many things inside. Um, and how do we come at others within that? Um, and so that's, these are choices that we get to make, right? So right. it's, it's a very interesting full moon. Venus is about at that new moon degree, right? 12, which was, that 12. is true. And, you know, so I would say, look back at your intentions of the new moon, you know, look back at your values, your priorities, you know, because we might want to be reacting to things or whatever, you know, are we still in alignment with our priorities? Are we still valuing who and what we've, you know, we've said, we've decided we valued. I mean, I still like the fact that the the nodes are square to Jupiter in Pisces, Jupiter being um, hopefully be, you know, being on its best behavior, giving us like positive things and in Pisces, um, us being able to, to connect to either the, you know, the, the emotional healing side or the spiritual side, things like that. Mm. Now I, I had seen what, one of the things that I did notice, remember, um, during our last, um, summit where it was like, you know, one of the round tables we had was, you know, is, are we going to have another, um, roaring twenties? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I remember Tara all who's so Saturnian. She always is like, no, she's like, no, I don't feel like it's going to be that. I feel like it's going to be more of an opening of, of spirituality. And, and so we were talking about mostly Jupiter into Pisces, you know, from last summer and this year, I, 
I saw some of that, but I also saw a lot of excess, you know, people saying, oh, well, we're back in the world now. I want to spend, spend, spend. I literally just saw yesterday, it said Sotheby's, who's the art auction house, art and luxury goods auction house, had their best year in their entire 77 year history or whatever, 70 something year history. Um, They sold over like, I don't, something crazy, like something billions of dollars, 70 something billion dollars. And I'm, I'm also feeling that there is this, you know, for those of us who are attuned to spiritual healing, things like that, which is luckily seems like a lot more people. There's other people who maybe they express that through spending money or, or escaping, you know, in, in different ways, whether it's material, whether it's, um, unfortunately through things like drugs or alcohol or, you know, however people escape, there may be this real emphasis of like this desire to sort of escape from some of the harsher Capricornian realities happening. That is, that is, that is true. That is true. These are, these are all potential things that could come up. Um, but what I do want to pick your brain on before we end up going is the, the following day of the true node moving into, um, Taurus and Scorpio and the sun basically trining uh, at the same time, but but mostly just your take on the the changing of the nodes or any anything that you might have there. I'm looking forward to it. I'm so tired of. <laughs> I'm ready for a new story, a new nodal. Story. I know a new narrative. <laughs> yes, a new narrative. Irony. Thank you very much, um, Gemini and Sag. <laughs> Move along. Moving on. <laughs> We're moving on. I mean, we did have that eclipse in in Scorpio, you know, which I think kind of like, kind of was, you know, handing over sort of the transition a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you know, that's our territory. I mean, I'm a Scorpio moon. You're a Scorpio rising, um, and I'm also. North Node in Scorpio, South Node in Taurus. And, you know, it does feel like um, I, I, some of the main, I remember the main uh, phrase that I kept hearing with North Node in uh, Gemini was pivoting. You know, everybody had to pivot, pivot, you know, because we had to like learn how to get it, how to engage in this new reality, you know, of, of being online all the time and not being able to to be in, in the world and society. So I feel like less emphasis on pivoting, maybe more of an emphasis on, you know, how can we, um, sustain ourselves with Mm -hmm. the North node in, in Taurus that has to do with our, our biological reality, our biological survival, shelter, things like that, these starting to be more and more emphasized, even things like maybe clinging to uh, material goods again, like finding, you know, the, finding the value in that, finding um, the value in it really back into the material world, just in general. Um, And not so much uh, about like a world of ideas and possibilities as far as like, what are we going to do now with our resources? Now, there's definitely going to be a story around resources. Um, You know, maybe there could be there could be a lack of resources in some areas. You know, there's already been some talk about like food shortages in some parts of the world, which, you know, I would hate to 
think that that would, you know, be really affecting people. But, um, you know, the the climate change stuff yeah. may become, we may actually see that the effects of it in our material earthly world. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that would be one, you know, sort of shift in, in emphasis. Absolutely. And I, and I was thinking about that too, as I was kind of like putting together the, the list of transits for Capricorn season and just thinking about that change overall is that exact thing is it's like, we're going to see concentrated energy around survival needs, food, climate, et cetera. But some of the excitement for me personally, when I think about it is because it's going to come into con into contact with Uranus there um, and have eclipses. And obviously summer of 2022, we'll have the North Node conjunct Uranus. As I'm wondering if this is the time where we actually do something about the things Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about for so long, like, you know, like dealing with certain aspects of climate change, realizing that how we grow our food um, is not as efficient or we're, you know, we're not replenishing the lands the way that we could um, in order to get yield the best crops and and resting things and just all this stuff. So I kind of got excited about the, that maybe this is actually the time through the disruption of it, of course, or it reaching its breaking point in some way where we actually find, um, to use the word that you just use a new sense of sustainability. Um, and that's, that's exciting to me. Cause I feel like the no- nodes and cancer and Capricorn, I feel like that was the pivot. That was the pivot. Gemini and Sag was all about just dealing with the back and forth energy of it all and how we of our opinion our opinion exactly <laughs> exactly and so now the these this fixed change is actually going to be like okay well how are we rooting down here like what what real world stuff do we need to do um mm-hmm. what deep emotional content that we have to like root up with just the changes that are happening on this planet um but it's interesting i'm ready for it i agree Gemini, Sag, move along. I am done with you. (laughs) When we look at like Taurus, um, you know, being ruled by uh, Venus and that having a lot to do with biology um, and then the South Node in Scorpio, I mean, we may, you know, see like actual literal and even though we have probably have had evidence of like climate change and things like that, of people like literally dying from it or like, you know, little co- literal communities being affected by it, like by their livelihoods. Yeah. I'm, I'm sensing that this may become more part of like the immediate like conversation. You know, that's the good thing about the, the nodes is it shows you what is actually most present. And yeah. they say that, you know, there's, there's no, nothing stronger than I, an idea whose time has come. And I feel like this is the, the social conversation, you know, the national and international even one conversation, like, you know, Scorpio is often about death. Let's just face it. It's about death. It's about toxicity. It's about things causing decay, you know, what's decayed. And, um, but that Taurus is is the will to survive. It can be the determination to survive. And so, um, you know, I, I just feel like maybe this is what it takes, right? Maybe we get to almost a brink. We feel like that there, there could be experiences of like, wow, this is telling us, you know, what is it that the earth needs? And I mean, one of the things is we need to shift our... Um, 
you know, it seems like careers and jobs away from things like coal. I mean, why are there even coal mines anymore? I don't know. But like that people actually are, you know, our own livelihoods are tied to um, the, the sustainability of the earth, you know, so that it, so that we're all in alignment with that and how we live. Absolutely. I, I was just talking to a friend the other day uh, who she does amazing plant art. That's what she does. But she was telling me, she's like, yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine who is in the gem world and, you know, mining and things like that. And she, they were talking about turquoise and they're like, you can't, we can barely get turquoise anymore with the gem boom that happened and everybody wanting gems yeah. in their life and stuff like that. We are tapping the earth dry of these things that take millions and millions of years to form. And so I think that it is going to be a a real wake up call to just how stressed we have made our resources um, with the idea of like production and and, uh, supply and demand and things like that. And, um, and, and getting back to basics in a sense and not so much superfluous and, and the pretty, you know, the pretty things that we want or we think we need and, and how, how that impacts the, the earth along the way. So I just wanted to bring that up because when you said that, I was like, oh, that, that reminds me of what my friend said. You know, and, uh, that, that could be one of it that we actually come to the end of certain resources that we thought were always replenishable and maybe they won't be immediately replenishable. And that will have us to take pause and decide like, wait, what is it that we're doing that is, you know, causing these things to end? You know, the other thing that I was thinking of all this was, um, you know, have you heard of that author, that, um, Irish author, Sally Rooney, who is like huge, you know, she wrote normal people and Mm, no, uh, she's like this, like, gen or millennial like superstar um author right and so her first couple of books um were crazy successful because they dealt with um you know young people in their 20s or so like just grappling with sexuality and like relationships and things like that and i don't know it also had a little element of like soft porn i think (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't love a little soft porn That's the only thing I could think of that was like why they were so incredibly successful. But anyway, <laughs> sex, in it. sex <laughs> it's got sex in it. So anyway, she's, a, she is actually a very talented writer. Well, her latest book called beautiful world. Where are you? Um, it, it just went gangbusters because everybody wants whatever she writes, but there was a lot of controversy in it because there's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's, it's written everywhere that it ended with, um, you know, one of the main characters just saying, uh, she wanted, um, just sort of simple values, a simple life, marriage, uh, religion, like getting back to, you know, having a simple home, like with her husband having children and things like that. And honestly, there was a huge backlash from a lot of her, um, her readers because they're like, what? Like, this isn't what, you know, they, the the characters sold out and this isn't, I didn't want some morality, you know, blah, blah, blah at the end of it. But it, you know, at some point, how much more rebellion are we going to do? You know, like you do so much, so much rebellion, as you said earlier, to sort of break the, what's stuck in the system. And then what are we left with? And I think that when you mature at a certain stage, which the millennials are now, and like they're not like kids anymore. You got the Zoomers like coming up uh, after them. You know, sometimes having, you know, like again, having a roof over your head 
having someone you can, you can trust and come home to have, um, having like enough food to eat, just having enough is enough. You know, like we see oftentimes Scorpio being like, have, you know, the drama of life and having to experience the darkness and having to experience power and powerlessness and all this crazy stuff. Whereas like sometimes with the opposite with, with Taurus, it's just needing stability, just needing peace. You know, the, the simple things that lead to, again, our, our biological survival, um, we realize that maybe we have devalued that. And maybe we need to get back to valuing that in, in new ways that we hadn't before. And that might be even a revelation to us. Oh, I love that is the perfect way to end that because amen, sister. So, all right. Well, you know, I always ask before we wrap up a season episode, if you had one word to describe Capricorn season, what would it be? I really think that for this Capricorn season, we really want to focus on our values. And that might sound very simplistic, but a lot of times when we are really like searching for something in life or or feel out of alignment, it's because we aren't living what our true values are. There's something about how we're living our life and then the values that we hold. And so this is a time to bring those in alignment. And the first step is to get clear on what do we value the most? And there's some, you know, they say that if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any priorities, right? So you know, <laughs> it's like valuing what we prioritize with our, you know, where do you spend your time, your money, and your focus? And, you know, if, if you even just looking at your bank account and looking at your calendar, you know, that's showing you what your values are. And if they're not aligned with what you know to be true for you at this stage in your life as valuable, then something needs to change with that. And, you know, the good news is you have the power to change that, you know? So I, I would say let's, let's focus on our values for this Capricorn season um, because that can really change our entire world once we start living them. The sage wisdom from the Capricorn. That is, <laughs> I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I am right there with you with that world. Maybe I'll back it up with integrity because I think what you're saying leads us to a point of integrity. And so get in touch with what those values are so that we are back in integrity with ourselves and what we're building here in the world, because this is, there's a lot of energy to change your physical reality, to change your relationships, to, uh, up, up, you know, purge things that have been burdened, purge power dynamics and old control structures that just don't suit you. And so what, what is still clinging around that, that either distracts you or, you know, keeps you in some way from being in integrity. And that always changes with like what you were just saying with values. I think values this, change. This retrograde is actually, we'll bring it up. You know, we might find a whole new level of what integrity means to us. Exactly. And, and the whole new values along with that. And so I think those two words really go hand in hand because they're dependent upon one another. Um, so ooh, I just got chills. All right. Well, what a fabulous season recap. I love it, Christina. So where, you know, before we go, where can people find you? Remind people what you got going on. Of course you can find me. Well, first of all, on Instagram, that is my social media of choice. And you can find me at 
at Radiant Astrology on Instagram. Now there are, uh, I have a lot of, um, you know, fake profiles that try to be me, but there's only one. There's only one, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) So don't fall for any of the, the other one. And I will never DM you and ask you and say, Oh, lovely. I have a reading message for you. Send me $50. I don't do that. Okay. So if you get one of those, that's not coming from me. Um, but I'm on Instagram at Radiant Astrology, and you can find me online at radiantastrology.com. And I have, like I said, my new moon, new year workshop on January 3rd on that first Sunday. So join me there. You can find all the details on radiantastrology.com. Perfect. All right. Well, where can you find me? You can find me over at energeticprinciples.com. And of course, I'll share Christina's details there in her upcoming workshop. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And I, you know, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's not. No one has tried to imitate me. Um, I'm glad I see it coming up all the time for astrologers or people well, who are trying to count your blessings. Yeah, I know it I am. happens during a Mercury retrograde though. Like, so maybe <laughs> just wait, I, I don't speak <laughs> too soon. Come. I'm like, why doesn't anyone want to impersonate me? <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I just thought it's, it's such a weird thing that's been happening on this, on the social media, but, um, just FYI. Yeah. Good public service message for anybody that follows astrologers because it's happening to so many people and it is very strange and it's always strange to me when people fall for it too because it's like but hey no judgment anyways i'm diverting but so another thing i can say here is that uh if you haven't heard uh the astrology of 2022 forecast that i did with gray that's up for you to either watch on youtube or listen to the audio we only made it halfway through the detail because there was so much to say with 2022 but um check that out and there's also a venus retrograde uh episode with shu yap and spencer michaud that is up um if you want to get more in touch with the, the venus story and some myths behind that and we really unpacked that there too uh, and of course, if you think people need to hear this broadcast and what's coming up for Capricorn season and really how we can take advantage of this new year, you know, spread it, spread the word, share this broadcast with a friend, send it over. Um, you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, that will come out at the beginning of the year too, that will have all the details for January. So that being said, you can find that all in the uh, details of wherever you listen to this podcast, leave a review where you listen to it. That helps us be seen further too. Um, and I love how I'm ending this broadcast and my neighbor's outside with a leaf blower, which is literally my nemesis in life. Ban all leaf blowers. I'm just going to public service message. (sighs) All right. Well, Christina, thank you again for joining me. I always love when you come and chat it up. Thank you so much, Melissa. And I can't wait to have you back on my channel because I know we like to mix it up and, and, and visit each other's spaces. So thank you so much for this. And I will see you next year. Happy holidays and happy new year. Yes. Happy holidays, everyone. We hope you are enjoying the end of the year and get the most you can out of it. So thank you so much for joining us here today. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm -hmm.